Princess Olga could bench press a Volkswagen. Everybody. She really could. It really does. And if you go back and look at them, they, they all the figures were like that. That and I read they them. were. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Star Wars Ties. I am your host, Jameson Stout, and with me is my illustrious co-host, the Boba Fett himself, Mr. Landon Long. We are very much looking forward to having another great recording for you guys today. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about Landon's background with Star Wars, since this is his first time as an official co-host on the show. (laughs) We're also going to dig into the some of the news that we are either hoping for or anticipating will happen with Star Wars Celebration being next week down in Orlando, and then we're going to finalize our podcast with a little bit of panel-by-panel in Marvel issue number three for Star Wars in the new run, as well as Darth Vader issue number one. So we got a lot to go on tonight, or today, or this afternoon, whenever you're listening, and we hope you enjoy it, so welcome aboard. And Landon, it's great to have you on the show. How you doing? Oh, Oh, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking me to come on. You know, Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars is one of those things that, for as long as I can remember, I've always really been into, and kind of took a break in college, you know, because that wasn't the cool thing to do. And you know, now it's you know it's bigger than ever, and I'm loving every minute of it. Yeah, I know. I agree. I actually saw a meme because that's the new thing on Facebook is memes. <laughs> I saw a meme today. And it was a group of college-age girls saying, you like Star Wars? Aren't you a little old for that? And then it had a shot from Guardians of the Galaxy. Did you see the first one? No, I've only seen about half of that movie, and I've never finished it, but I really liked it. It was good. You might have seen this scene. It was when he was arrested, and they were getting ready to take his... uh... X-ray? No, it was just his mugshot. There it is. They're getting ready to take his (laughs) mugshot. Did, mm-hmm. you, did you by chance see that scene? I didn't see that okay. part. I saw right before they went to jail. Okay. Well, when he's getting his mugshot picture, he's um, acting like he's got this surprise in his hand, and he's cranking it, and it ends up being his traffic finger. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that the PG way if I can. That, that was that was good. No, you did good on that. I used that one. So anyway, it's, it's really funny, and that was the, so that was the picture. It was him cranking up his his traffic finger to to their comment about you aren't you a little old for star wars no i am <laughs> not too old for star wars. you're never too old for star wars so Landon, what is your earliest memory of star wars my earliest memory oh gosh well it's it's back before the uh, the remastered you know original trilogy it was probably about four or five years before i'll never forget it was it was on christmas night we had you know open presents and me and my mom and dad were you know sitting there watching tv mm-hmm. just flipping through the channels you know it's christmas night there's nothing on tv 
and we get on the USA Network, and it's when the USA Network would show Star Wars, and they would show, like, A New Hope one night, Return of the Jedi, or not Return of the Jedi, but Empire Strikes Back the next night, and then Return of the Jedi the last night. Yep. Well, the night that we that. started, night that we started was A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And my dad's like, oh, Star Wars, hey, you ought to watch this, you'll really like this. And I'm like, well, what's it about? And he kind of told me, you know, it's it's about good guys and bad guys and this big intergalactic war, and just sit down and watch it. And I sat down, I was probably seven or eight at the time, sat down and watched it, and ever since then, I mean, I have, I have been Star Wars crazy, so to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. I have a very, from the listeners might remember, my first call, uh, conversation was a very similar one. Walking into the television and Dad had a Star Wars movie on. It was Empire Strikes Back, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's a good one. It was the same thing. It was Christmas time, so it was one of those specials where they were just showing it to show it. And uh, I it might have been USA. I don't remember what station it was. I thought it was TNT or whatever, but one of those. It may have been. I don't remember which one it was. But I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's, you know, it hooked me. Yep. I was a little creeped out at first, because Empire Strikes Back is a very difficult movie to jump into. It is. Because there's a lot of backstory from the first one, from Episode 4, that makes a lot more sense. It, it, it can stand alone. Uh, it doesn't end very well if you have it stand alone. But it, 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 what I mean is Empire Strikes Back is its own story. It doesn't, you yeah. don't have to see A New Hope to be able to understand what's going on, but it definitely helps with like the character development and stuff like that, where the how the characters know each other. Seeing him, uh, seeing a new hope is definitely important. But just like you, mine, my recollections are before the remastered versions that came out in '97. Yep. So that's that's awesome. All right. Well, why do you love Star Wars? What do you think is the reason it's something you're just so passionate about? I. It's just good storytelling to, to start off with. I mean, it's all of your classic. If you if you study English history or you know the history of storytelling, it's your classic story of good versus bad, with you know little bits of love thrown in. You know, with Han and Leia, and to a lesser extent, I guess you could say Finn and Rey in the the newer mm-hmm. uh, trilogy. Yeah. But you've got your your action adventure, good versus evil, love. Some comedy, you know, that's one of the things. Uh, just this past week, actually, my wife sat down and watched her first Star Wars movie ever with The Force Awakens. Oh, okay. She, you know, we watched we watched it over several nights, and, you know, after it was over, I said, what would you think? And she said, when does the next one come out? What what, what happens with Luke and Ray?" I said, I, I don't know. That's We're having to wait till December to find out. She's like... <laughs> That was really good. She said it was a lot more funny than I thought it would be. She said, you know, I thought it would be all these sci-fi, you know, terms and all these, you know, geeky, dorky things. I'm like, no. I said, it's got bits of humor and, you know, some slapstick with the robots and the droids getting thrown around and whatnot. I said, but, you know, it, it's a good movie. And she said, yeah. She said, I kind of want to watch Rogue One with you now. So that's probably going to be our date for tomorrow night. That's awesome. That's awesome. But... Star, I mean, it's it's classic storytelling. You know, you have your first act where you establish your characters, your second act where there's conflict, and your third act where the conflict is resolved, or it's continued on in the next movie, which is the case with Empire. But it it's just a classic story is why I think I like it and so many other people like it. And it 
I don't know. I mean, it, it it is a sci-fi movie, but it's not a sci-fi movie. It's like, you know, you've got elements of a Western, you know, with Han Solo. He's kind of the, the rugged cowboy with his friend, you know, mm-hmm. running supplies to the different towns or smuggling, you know, supplies to different systems. You've yeah. got Luke, who is the the good nature, you know, farm boy that just kind of stumbled into a, into a thing that was much bigger than he was and finally, you know, became a master of it. Yeah. You've got Leia, who's the princess in distress, who really isn't in distress. She just needed someone to unlock her, her cage to, to let her out on the Death Star, and then that's a whole other discussion. And then you've got yeah, Darth Vader, who was the, the classic villain who, you know, at first doesn't seem like he has any remorse or any you know, goodness in him, and then, you know, that's kind of later revealed that, well, he really did, but he was just really good at hiding it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's that, Those are great points. And you're but, right, it's, uh, <laughs> I loved your comment about Leia being let out of her cage. Yeah, that's basically all she needed. If somebody let her out of her cage, she could have took on the whole Death, or the whole, uh, Death Star Stormtrooper squad. She probably could have. Very well. Uh, she's, she was by far one of the most interesting characters in the original trilogy. Um, I, when Rogue One came out, of course, it was another indicator with a lot of articles about how the new Star Wars movies were bringing in a lot more female protagonists um, and kind of giving the, the female character a little bit more precedence. But I really don't think Leia was any bit of a secondary character in that original movie. She's the first oh, no. one. That, I mean, if you look at it, she's the first character excuse me, that legitimately stands up to Darth Vader. You've got characters trying to fight him when he walks into the uh, the Tantive Four, but she's the first one that basically just, you know, she doesn't back down. She doesn't stand back and go, oh, no, no. Darth Vader, I've got to hide. You know, she's she's got this figured out. She basically backtalks him, you know. Anybody else yeah. does that and he chokes him, but for some odd reason he doesn't do it to her. It's It, it definitely demonstrates the power that she possessed as a character and as a person. And it definitely, in my opinion, puts her as a, you know, we were having a female protagonist in 1977. I, I think all they're doing is continuing the tradition with these new movies. That's 100% correct. You know, every time I think of Leia, I saw, you know, speaking of memes, I saw this meme when Roger Disney bought Star Wars and Lucas, the Lucasfilm properties and thing. And it was all the Disney princesses, and they're looking at Leia, and it was like kind of drawn as a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What's up with that princess?" And she's got a blaster, and she's like chasing down these little boys dressed up like stormtroopers, shooting at them. <laughs> and they're like, "What's her? What's her deal? Why isn't anyone rescuing her?" And she's like chasing them down, shooting at them. She doesn't need them. She never needed that's to be right. rescued. That's I mean, that's the part that I really loved about it. You know, you have that damsel in distress story with the original plot, but uh, it was very quickly resolved and all of a sudden you know she's basically saving their butts instead of the other way around um that's right i mean you know first thing when luke shows up hi i'm luke skywalker i'm here to rescue you she doesn't say oh thank you or oh yeah she goes you're a little short for a stormtrooper aren't you yeah are you really sure you're here to rescue me (laughs) you know are you really are you sure you're just not lost Oh, yeah. you with Ben Kenobi? Okay, well, I guess he can rescue me. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're really qualified. <laughs> aren't you a little short for super? Yeah, aren't you just a little short for that? Yeah, that's good. Okay, so what is your favorite movie? 
Oh, favorite movie. Um, if you had asked me before Rogue One, I would have said Empire Strikes Back, but it and Rogue One are they're not on my radar, and it's because Rogue One has the characters you care about. It's every time something happens to one of those characters, it's like a punch to your gut. Basically, mm-hmm. you get over it, but you still kind of hurt. Yeah. You know, saying, "Oh man, I wish that hadn't happened," or Oh, yeah, that was just horrible. And then you have Empire. You had Yoda, which was awesome. He was just kind of this unassuming... (laughs) You know, this little unassuming hermit that was actually one of the best warriors and most important people back in the Republic era of Star Wars. And the galaxy just kind of lived on its own. You know, you had the reveal of Darth Vader being Luke's father, which was a big shock to everyone, especially if you... You know, if you were like me, seven, eight years old, watching it for the first time, you're like, yeah. there's no way that guy's his dad. That's no, that can't be possible. Exactly. That was a it great, was, great moment in cinematic history. It was one of the classic plot twists. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, Empire has a really good story from beginning to end. You're introduced to a lot of important characters, you know, who are important later on in the story of Star Wars, like Lando. Boba Fett, to a lesser extent, I mean, he's just kind of Han Solo's chauffeur when he's frozen in carbonite, basically. Yeah. And, I mean, you get to see Emperor for the first time when he talks to Vader through, yeah. the, through the hologram. Oh, yeah. That was the – that's a creepy moment, too, because of the way the Have hologram – Have you ever seen it on the, on the, uh, un, the unaltered – the original cut of the film? I have seen the VHS version. Um, that's probably – Where it's not like – it's not the guy that they... It's, yeah, he's like it's, totally different. He's yeah. kind of robotic looking. Yeah, I know. I have seen that version. Um, and I've seen them compared side by side. Like, the have yeah. pictures pairing each other. Uh, the one doctored to, to match... I can't remember the actor's name that played Palpatine in the prequel trilogy, and then... Oh, uh, Ian e. McDermott, maybe? That sounds right. It's going to bother That's... me. All right, I'm going to the Google machine to find out. IMDB it real fast. <laughs> I'll let you do it. But yeah, I know what you mean. And I remember seeing that first one. It, it's I think it was his eyes. I really think that was it in the in the original yes. version. They just they were so cold. And when they changed it, it wasn't you know it wasn't a bad change or anything. It's still the effect is still there. But I don't know. Maybe it was because it was an unknown figure or. I don't know what it is, but there's yeah. something about that first look that it was just like, oh, this guy's really evil. You know, you think Darth Vader is bad. This guy's worse. I didn't know he could be worse. Oh, yeah. And that, it really made for a, a really excellent additional antagonist to the plot because you really would have just figured Darth Vader would have been all you needed. But by adding somebody even more evil than he, it was it was definitely something I wasn't expecting. Especially at you know seven, oh, eight, definitely. or nine, or whatever, when I first watched it. So. Let's see, it is Ian McDermott. Ian McDermott. All right, good. I'm, yeah. I'm glad we have that resolved. Now that I know... kind of, I'm kind of like you on that though. Like the first time you see him, like you're like, oh wow, Darth Vader answers to this guy, and he's actually scared of him. He's got to be even worse. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, when you see the prequel trilogy, that's one of the things that the prequel trilogy did right. They gave you a really good understanding of just how 
manipulative and evil Palpatine was from the beginning. That's the true. End. I never thought of that. I have never thought of that, but that's true. Yeah, I mean, there are some elements of the prequel trilogy, obviously, that, that nobody's ever going to like, unless, you know, you. I actually have a student that sits there and talks about how much he likes Jar Jar Binks, even though every other Star Wars fan in the world hates him. <laughs> and I just kind of let him, I just kind of let him talk. I'm sitting there biting my tongue going, I really don't want to ruin this kid's dreams. <laughs> He's not a horrible character, but I could think of a lot better ways to write him. But anyway. Yeah point being but he served his purpose though he did he did you know and i read mark hamill's breakdown of why he defended the prequel trilogy and i've read some other good defenses of the prequel trilogy and i think a lot of why it got so much flack is because they were expecting another three movies exactly like the trilogy from 1977 81 and 83 Mm-hmm. And in order to develop the entire storyline of Anakin Skywalker's life, you have to have that backstory. You have to understand right. how he turned. Now, I will be the first to tell you, I don't think every element of the prequel trilogy was as high quality as it could have been. I think there were a lot of distractions in it that didn't necessarily need to be there, like some uses of CG where you know yeah. shooting on site would have been less disturbing um i feel some of the casting decisions aren't my favorite but if i if you go back and read you know the terry brooks i think wrote the phantom menace novelization i can't remember who wrote attack of the clones but matthew stover wrote revenge of the sith and one of the things that really bugged me about the prequel trilogy was Revenge of the Sith, how quickly Anakin turned from being a good guy to a bad guy. Yeah. It was just, it was so sudden and so abrupt, and there was no real evidence of an inner turmoil of trying to make the right decision and trying to do what was right. And what made me so mad was Matthew Stover in the novel wrote it to where I sat there and thought, I, d- I can't think of a single person I know that wouldn't have made the exact same decision as Anakin Skywalker. I mean, it, it made perfect sense. It was a very logical progression. But in the movie, it just didn't it, happen that way. And I was like, I know they, they're trying to tell that story in the movie, but it's just it wasn't as, as well played out. No, and I mean, you still kind of get the, uh, the vibe that, you know, Anakin is a, a tragic hero. He was trying to do the right things... But he was the, the the he was trying to have good ends, but his means didn't justify him. He had horrible means to the end, basically. Right. Exactly. But I mean, you know, you you see that, yeah, he he was a caring person. He cared a little too much, and basically just threw everything that he had worked for his whole life, you know, down the toilet just to, to try to save someone. When in reality, you know, I mean, even. You know, you watch the final battle of that movie, mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan even tells him, he goes, you know, I loved you, you were my brother, I would have helped you if you would have asked me. Right. And, you know, that, I get kind of emotional at that scene, because you can you can see that Obi-Wan really did care for him, and that, you know, had he just came to him, instead of going to the dark side, it would have helped him, and it may have been a different, may have had a different you know, result. story altogether then. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is and Ewan McGregor definitely as the actor, is definitely one of the things that really carried all three of the prequel movies, definitely. I, oh, definitely. I really feel like he was a, a strong character. 
but I think what really just kills me, it just irks me to no end, I guess, is, you know, you sit there and you think about Anakin Skywalker as a, he's a soon-to-be father. He knows that his wife is pregnant with a child who is extremely likely to be capable of forced capabilities since it's his child. Mm-hmm. And the reason he turns to the dark side is to save his wife from from dying. And within an hour, let's give a little bit of, of wiggle time there. Within an hour of converting to the dark side, he murders children. When the whole reason he was turning to the dark side was to save children. And I sit there and go, now, if he was a new, if it was Darth Vader, you know, ten years down the road, I could see that no problem after having a lot of time to really dig into being a dark side user and, you know, kind of truly converted. But to have just turned to the dark side and have just your moral compass is just gone. Yeah. Just like that. That seemed a little unrealistic to me. Uh, I yeah. was just like, ah, no, I can't buy that. It's the only part of it. I think that one part is what really just it doesn't well with me. I sit there and go, I just can't see it. You know, I can see the fight with Mace Windu going the way that it did. I can see a lot of that happening. Yeah. But I couldn't see him just lose all sense of moral justification at the snap of a finger. It just seemed <laughs> a little much. But anyway. It did. It's like he had the Cliff Notes version of joining the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, I don't want to be. I don't want. You're. I'm here. You can't be the bad guy. You can't be the bad guy. Oh, I guess you're the bad guy. Well, can I be the bad guy with you? Okay. Yeah, sure. What do you need me to do? Oh, go kill them. All right, no problem. I got you covered. You know. You know. It just. It, it seemed a little abrupt, but I mean. Yeah. And taking into account, of course, movies have restricted time strain. You know, there's stuff that could have contributed to it that we just don't have any control of. We digress. Exactly. <laughs> Which is good. I like that. I like tangents like that. So yeah, that was a good um, tangent. That was. Um, all right. So I know the answer to this, but I know there's a lot of char- uh, a lot of listeners' characters, that probably characters too, uh, that might not know this. What is your favorite Star Wars character, or rather, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Oh gosh, I've thought about this all day. I'm I'm big on Boba Fett and Darth Vader. It's kind of a tie between those two, and you know the I guess the canonical star wars but extended universe i'm really big on admiral thrawn or mm. grand admiral Thrawn, excuse me just because he is so he doesn't use you know brute force or the force or anything to get his way he just outthinks and outmaneuvers people mm-hmm. is yeah. what i love about him he's so calculating me too that's why he's probably my favorite expanded universe character love him. and it's odd I like good guys, but for some odd reason, I'm really drawn to just the genius of the really smart bad guys. Yes. And Grand Admiral Thrawn definitely fits that bill. I'm really excited for the book that's coming out later this month uh, for the new canon version of him. Yeah, I've seen that. I might have to pick that up. It looks really good. And, of course, Timothy Zahn wrote it, so I know it will be. Um, oh, it'll be great. Then. I'm, I'm trying to think. On that on that trilogy, I'm, on the, I'm about... A quarter of the way through the last command. Oh, ooh, quarter of the way through it. All right, I've, it's been a while since I've read Last Command. They, they've just, they've just found the Katana fleet, and Thrawn is getting ready to mobilize it against the Republic. Oh wow, that's awesome. Uh, so you've met uh, 
card. Talon card? Yes. Yeah. Talon card and Mara Jade. Yeah, Mara Jade. Has Mar- um, I don't want to give that away if it's not happened yet. Um, has Mara Jade met Luke yet? Yes, she has. Um, okay. I think... I think I got to the point where she's starting to come over to the light side because mm-hmm. cards kind of forcing her to right now mm-hmm. because, you know, he was kind of playing both sides of the fence and now he's kind of, where I'm at now. He's kind of more leaning towards joining the, the rebels and the, and the Republic to try to take Thrawn out. Right. That's a really good series trilogy. A whole um, anything he wrote in the original series. So, to I don't know how much of this. Are you familiar with like the history of the the nineteen nineties and Star Wars? A little bit, not a whole lot. That's one kind of time period era that I'm kind of weak on and would like to know more about. I don't know a lot, but I've read several things. Obviously, uh, there were some expanded universe books written in the seventies. Uh, the first one being Alan Dean Foster's Splinter the Mind's Eye, which mm-hmm. is a great read. It definitely is a it's a different version of Star Wars than most of the expanded universe stuff that is popular today. But it's a great story. It's really, really good. It was definitely you could tell it was written you can tell Alan Dean Foster had no idea of the possibility of Luke and Leia being s- uh, siblings. Mm-hmm. Because they kind of took Han out of the equation and put them into a situation where Luke was trying to save Leia as a damsel in distress, and Leia was still trying to figure out whether or not she had feelings for Luke. There was nothing intimate really in the entire storyline, but you could tell that that was he was setting up the possibility for that becoming a, a long-term option if the story wanted to go that way. And then there were other books written in that time period. Uh, one, a few of them about Han Solo and things like that, uh, and Lando Calrissian, all in the late uh, 70s and early 80s. And then really it kind of died off. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of expanded universe material. Lucasfilm kind of focused on side stories with the droids cartoon, the Ewoks cartoon, and those Ewok movies where they dealt with like bitches <laughs> and stuff like that, which was which was cool. Oh. But that kind of got us into the early 90s, and then right around 95. There was a resurgence of Star Wars. All of a sudden, Star Wars just became popular again. And I think what really spiked it was that the rumors were starting to go around that Lucasfilm was going to be redoing Episode Four for a 20th anniversary release, which they did, the special editions in 1997. So to kind of set the stage for that and really build up for it, I think Lucasfilm pushed for a lot of expanded universe books to be written, and it was very early in this new era of trying to restart or reboot the the Star Wars franchise that they didn't really care if things matched canon-wise. So there are some storylines where if you go back and look, uh, expanded universe books either overlap or they reference events that other books discredit as not having happened and things like that there's some discrepancy mm-hmm. uh but the majority of it is is is, is pretty good it's, it's it's a great 
it's a great, interesting read to kind of dig into those books, especially the early 90s one, uh, or rather the mid to late 90s ones. And the first one, the one that really kind of set the stage for everything to happen was Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and Last Command, which is what you're reading now. And those books were awesome. And to pair with them, uh, Lucasfilm and, and Keener and, and Hasbro started to release new figures. And some of those figures, that was the Power of the Force series that I mentioned to you the other day, too. <laughs> uh, starting in 1995 yeah. with the red cards, and then 96 and 97 with the green cards. And all of that just kind of was meant to be, hey, you know, 1997 is the 20th anniversary of Star Wars. And then within a few years of that, we're going to have Episode One coming out. And, and, of course, since then, it's we're now entering the 40-year range. And it's bigger now than I think it was <laughs> Excuse me, back then. Oh, yeah. So, uh, it, but that's the, a little bit of the history there is just the fact that those Expanded Universe books really helped push the franchise back into the public spotlight. Because a lot of them were written by big science fiction named authors that had their own sci-fi series that they were doing elsewhere, but were asked to contribute to the Star Wars universe. And by putting their name on it, you had New York Times bestsellers with Star Wars on the title. And that, of course, brings... A lot of recognition to it at that time frame. Never a bad thing. To have. No, never a bad thing to have that kind of publicity. So you're a Boba Fett, Darth Vader, or Grand Admiral Thrawn fan? All bad guys. I if I had to like one of the good guys, I would probably like Obi Wan just for the fact that he wasn't the most powerful, you know, Force Jedi like Yoda or the strongest lightsaber duelist swordsman at like Mace Window, but he was. He was just intelligent. Like, he was that... I guess he would kind of be Thrawn's counterpart on the, you know, the light side, just the fact that, you know, he could analyze something and come up with a strategy or a plan to to figure out and, and solve it. So I, I would probably say Obi-Wan. You have to say Luke Skywalker on the, on the light side, too, just because he went from, you know, a, a novice to a pro in two and a half movies. Yeah. You was know, a Jedi, so... That's true. That's a good point. You know, I, I think that's one thing that kind of... He gets the shaft sometimes, I really think, in that original trilogy. Yeah. Because he's a popular character for a lot of people, but a lot, uh, other times people are like, you know, he's not really my favorite. You know, he's kind of... You know, it just doesn't make sense. And he's sitting there going, how, look at how much he had to learn. You know, he had, yeah. he had a huge learning curve ahead of him to have any chance at succeeding in a fight against Darth Vader, ever. That's true. So, and Jeremy mentioned that I he, think uh, when we did the uh, Rogue One discussion. <laughs> That's right. Oh, that Rogue One discussion was great. That was yeah, fun. Was. That was awesome. a fun show. That was. And if you haven't listened to it, you can go back and listen to it. You can. Uh, you can always find it on our iTunes feed or our Podomatic feed, depending That's on right. if you are an Android or Apple user. Yeah, I mean, Luke doesn't get a whole lot of credit. He just kind of, you know... I don't know. He had a lot to learn, and I, you know, granted the movies take place over. I think I read somewhere that like they wanted it to be kind of three years between A New Hope and Empire, and you know, three to four more years between Empire and Return of the Jedi. So I mean, he had what six, seven years to become a Jedi when most people had to train their entire lives just to, you know, even do a portion of the things he had he could do. Well, if you give me a second, I'll go check. I bet I can tell you that timeline. Oh yeah.
awesome thing about having Expanded Universe books in the other room is that I've got... Uh, when they printed the Expanded Universe books, especially the later ones that came out in the... Uh, let's see, this one was released in 2013, so right before Episode 7 came out. They started to put timelines in every novel so you could see chronologically when the stories landed. Oh, cool. And uh, if you look at... Let's see. Uh, let's see. 19 years before Star Wars A New Hope was Revenge of the Sith... And then they based everything on the timeline, basically based on the Battle of Yavin. So, three years after the Battle of Yavin. So, between Star Wars and New Hope, which would have been the Battle of Yavin, Empire Strikes Back was three years, and then it was four years after A New Hope that you had Return of the Jedi. So you had three years of the Rebels hiding on Hoth, or getting to where they hid on Hoth, before being discovered, and then you had another year where they're trying to find Han Solo's location after he was frozen in carbonite. Wow. So if you if you give that to Luke, you're basically saying, all right, depending on how long Star Wars A New Hope was in terms of length, because you have to take into account space travel and things like that, everything's instantaneous yeah. in the movies, but that doesn't mean that days, months, or weeks didn't pass when they were traveling and things like that. One of the things you never really take into account when you read the books or watch the movies, but it's it's definitely something some of the newer books, I think, are starting <laughs> to actually point out um, is, you know, this takes a little time to travel from this side of the galaxy to that side of the galaxy. It doesn't happen on the you know, flip of a switch. <laughs> oh, we're there! <laughs> it's not like in the movies, guys. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. So you're looking at, let's see, three, four, basically a five-year training, yeah. give or take, before he faces Darth Vader and, and succeeds. That's not a lot of time, if you really look at it, especially when he doesn't no. have a long-term, consistent trainer. It's not like he's underneath the master-apprentice tutelage like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi no. was under Qui-Gon Jinn or anybody else like that. So it definitely... Uh, makes it for a, a difficult feat for Luke to have accomplished what he did in the time frame he had. It really doesn't. You think about it, Vader defeated Jedi that had been training their whole lives to fight, you know, people like Vader, and, you know, Luke comes up and can hold his ground with him after, you know, training with Yoda for however long, I guess a couple of weeks, months maybe, if you want to call it that. That part's always made me wonder. The yeah. storyline with Han and Leia is very quick. But I really feel like he spends more time on Dagobah than the movie indicates. I too. So I'm not really sure. I mean, I've always thought like three to four months, maybe. Yeah, I've thought months. I've always kind of envisioned months there. He went to Dagobah and spent months there, and then realized he had to leave. So, I, but mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So, other than reading the Last Command, what else have you been up to, Star Wars, lately? Have you gotten any pickups? Uh, watched any movies? Oh, Rogue One. Uh, Rogue probably the biggest pickup I've got. Um, as far as I guess toys, I finished that uh, Tie Fighter model. Yeah, I saw the other that day on Facebook. That That's awesome. Where'd you get that? Was, that was cool. I'm like, um, there's a on eBay. They have a lot. Like, you just go and type in uh, Bandai is the company that makes them. Bandai Star Wars models. I mean, they have character models. 
a really nice stormtrooper that I'm thinking about getting. Like, you put it together and it makes like, a really highly detailed like stormtrooper figure, uh, Boba Fett, Darth Vader, and then they have the vehicles. They've got Millennium Falcon, uh, X wings. Uh, they've got the uh, wing from Rogue One, which is really cool because the wings fold in and out on the battle, which is really neat. Oh wow! Um, Tie fighters. I think I think the next one I'm going to get might be a Tie interceptor because I love the the, mm-hmm. the design of that ship. I do too. I do and too. they've even got the little. Uh, oh, you would, I think you would know what it is. The Tie fighter from Rogue One that just has like the single panel. The striker. It kind of looks like the interceptor. Striker. Yeah. They've got a uh, Rogue One set that comes with a uh, Blue Squadron X-Wing and then a Striker. Oh, I'd love that one. Um, I would love that. And That'd the, be awesome. And the cool thing is, like, the the Blue the blue Squadron X-Wing is different than the Red Squadron. Like, it has different markings, different insignias, different, you know, pilot with different, you know, different uh, stickers and insignias he wears. So they're not just like, oh, yeah, we've got the the same x-wing just you know it's throw a different coat of paint on it now it, it's yeah it's, it's not just a blue and it's a totally different you know it's got a different r2 unit on it that's awesome it's really cool and you know they've got a uh got some of the force awakens models too they've got a poe dameron x-wing the black and orange yeah the black squadron one and i really liked that one i'm trying to i think if they have what they have <laughs> from that besides they've got poe and then they've got First Order uh, TIE Fighters, the black with the kind of red uh, paint scheme on them. It's a cool model, model series. Uh, Bandai makes them. If you order them from eBay, you're probably going to have to wait three to four weeks on shipping because they only make those and sell those in Japan. They're starting to come over to America and a few like Hobby Lobby and Michaels and places like that, but your best bet's probably going to have to be eBay or uh, Amazon in a three-week ship period. Okay. They, uh, I saw, I saw last year that at one of the comic cons that that company invented a two hundred dollar star destroyer that is three and a half feet long and has uh, little LED lights in it for all the all the lights on the ship, which is really cool. Wow, that's pretty awesome. But yeah, they've got that, but the. The Star Destroyer, I've seen a, a photo of it. It's it's impressive. Three three and a half feet long. I think it had over three like three thousand five hundred pieces that oh, you wow. have to that you don't have to glue, but they snap together. They're all snap pieces. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask next, because I don't really like models where you have to glue. That usually ends up being a mess for me. But snap pieces are uh, something I'd be more interested in. Okay, I might look into that because like I'm the, I'm not huge. I don't have a lot of space for yeah. a model right now. I'm sure if my wife heard me say this, she'd sit there and go, Oh no. Where would you put it when you got done with it? And she's right. I don't really have a place to put it, but it's just another way you the can... The TIE... Sorry, go ahead. Oops, sorry. The, the TIE Fighter, probably all together, it snapped together, and within 45 minutes, it was it was completed. So, I mean, they're not really difficult. There's not a lot of little intricate pieces you have to glue together and then glue those pieces to another piece to make a bigger piece to put onto the ship. I mean... It's pretty compartmentalized where you just snap it together. If you want to paint it, you can. Um, if you want to do water decals, you can. Or if you just want to do stickers, you can do that too. Okay. Cool. That's awesome. So, guys, if you're interested in models, apparently the, the Bandai models for Star Wars stuff is is really a place to look into it. Um, I'm sure there's others out there, but the, mm-hmm. these these are definitely something that, obviously, Landon's had success with. And if I have the opportunity, I might do the same thing.
Like you, I got Rogue One, which is always exciting. And then my wife was even more oh, yeah. generous and allowed me to get the Rogue One soundtrack, too. Ooh. I've been wanting that for a long time because I collected every soundtrack for all the Star Wars movies. And I've always wanted the uh, the Rogue One one since it came out because I wanted to hear the differences. I've listened to it two or three times already, and I just got it like yesterday. So <laughs> the CD is going to be worn out before the end of the month at the rate I'm going. But it's it's great. Um, if you if you haven't listened to it all the way through, I know it's really difficult to to think that you know Star Wars music without being written by John Williams could be good. But Michael Giacchino did a fantastic job, and I've thoroughly enjoyed listening mm-hmm. to it. I have not watched Rogue One since we bought it. We just have it. I will probably end up watching it this weekend. <laughs> that is not a movie I'm willing to watch with my daughter. So um, no, it, it's no. too dark. She's only seen episode four uh, because it's you know it has a happy ending and Princess Leia's in it and stuff like that. I'm scared to show her some of the others because I'm scared she'd be like, "What happened there, Daddy? I don't understand." Okay, yeah, I don't really want to have to explain that to you yet. Yeah. Um, but uh, it'll it'll come. I'm gonna enter. She's obviously interested, so I'm not gonna stop her from it. Um, but aside from that, one of the things that I'm really excited about, uh, is it's silly as it is, is I've gotten into the the collector trap, for lack of a better word, for collecting those Uh-oh. for collecting those pop figures, the Funko pop figures. Oh yeah, those bobbleheads. And it started with. I've got a Boba Fett. <laughs> well, uh, Walgreens <laughs> has an exclusive right now. It is a white Boba Fett. Oh, solid white, but it is Boba Fett. It's supposed to be like the prototype version of him. So, it's, but it's a Walgreens exclusive, so you got to get it out of Walgreens, which is that's why I think they're so fun because they've got some that are exclusive to individual stores. There's Target exclusives, there's Walmart exclusives. Yeah. So it's kind of neat when you're like, oh well, you know, I've never looked at this store before. I wonder what they've got. What they have their own exclusive version of that figure. Wow, that's neat. <laughs> so what it, it it all started with a buddy of mine, and I know he's going to hear this. Uh, his name's Chris. He, at Christmas, uh, we had this little gift exchange thing, and I happened to miraculously through, again, a, a series of amazingly good events, compliments of my wife, get basically the dork gift in, in, in the gift exchange. And it consisted <laughs> of, like, Superman cups and, and uh, I think... I think a Superman movie and and stuff like that. So I was pretty stoked. I was like, "Oh, this is great!" And in it was also a pop figure of Oliver Queen from Arrow, uh, the show on CW. Oh, cool! And I've been I've been enjoying Arrow and the Flash and and and, the, and Supergirl and stuff like that on on CW. The few times I watch television or Netflix, so I was like, "Oh, this is really cool!" And I started to look at it. I'm like, you know, these kind of cartoon details are are pretty neat. I like them. I might look into getting one of the Star Wars ones of these. So that next weekend, I went to Hot Topic up in Asheville and uh, walked in, and they had a clearance sale on on the pop figures. You could get three for seven dollars. I'm like, that's an oh, wow. awesome deal. And they had Princess Leia, not General Leia, but Princess Leia from Episode Seven, Finn and Poe. And I looked at them. I thought three of those. That would be really cool. Seven bucks. It's not that much. I'll get it on my way out. You know, I'll come back after you know we go shopping around the rest of the store because we're parked over here, and I'll just grab it on my way out. Well, when I went back, the Princess Leia <laughs> was gone. Somebody had grabbed it, 
I was so Ooh. mad because it was the last one. I was oh, like, I hate no, that. no. So I start that that that's what did it. It kind of sparked this like personal vendetta. Well, fine. From now on, if I ever find one that's cheaper than full price, I'm just going to buy it. You know, no questions asked. If I can get a good deal on it, I'm going to do it. So what started with one pop figure, I now have like this wall of pop figures on top of my bookshelf. I've got like nine or ten of them, and only one of them is not Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of embarrassing, but anyway, I've I've collected several of them, and the two that I'm proudest of because they're the hardest to find is the Shore Troopers from Rogue One. Huh. You wouldn't believe it, but apparently I don't know this. I'm just this is completely speculation, but apparently they've been releasing these figures on limited run and then take them off the shelves after a certain time period. Because I have looked at Target, I've looked at Walmart, I've looked at Toys R Us, I have looked at Walgreens, and I have gone back and checked after weeks and weeks and months. And since maybe January, when I first saw them, I was like, man, that's $30, I'm not going to spend money on it. Now that the prices have started to drop on some of these figures because they're getting ready for, for Last Jedi stuff, I cannot find a Shore Trooper figure. So I finally walked Ooh. into Toys R Us a couple weeks ago, and they had the the Funko bobblehead, the taller ones, the wobbles or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I, I grabbed that because I was like, oh, found it in the wild. It's a buy. Even if it's full price, I've, I've, I've waited too long. I've put it off. <laughs> and then I found – and then I went into a Best Buy on the same day, and I found the smaller one. And I was like, yes, okay. So, <laughs> I've spent too much money on them, but I've got them. But I still, you nah, know, like, like, right. the, like the Black Series six-inch figures, I cannot find the Shore Trooper mm-hmm. anywhere. They're they're labeled as scarce wow. uh, stormtroopers. Of course, you can find them online, and you know that's no big deal. But my my goal is not to find them online. My goal is to find them in a store, and if I can get it on sale, it's even better, you know. <laughs> so anyway, so that was. That's been my biggest pride and joy as far as collecting and getting stuff. It's just now I've got a large collection of these pop figures. It's getting embarrassing because my daughter walked in the other day. Daddy, yeah, you got a lot of Star Wars stuff. I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> That's very true, Emily, and I, I can't deny that. <laughs> it's like so, one day it will all be yours. <laughs> one day it will be. I did go to eBay a little while back and, and bought a few figures loose from the Power of the Force collection back in the 90s, just so that she could interact with them. You know, I didn't mind if they were already uh-huh. used. I didn't go for mint condition. I looked for cheap figures that looked like the characters or kind of did. Ended up getting like the, I call her the Olga Leia. Because <laughs> in the 1990s, apparently they felt like He-Man was the big deal, so they had to turn all of their Star Wars figures into He-Man looking figures. <laughs> so your Luke Skywalker looks like he had steroids and protein shakes for breakfast. And so does Leia. I mean, you look at there, and she's got these broad shoulders. And just the way they tried to put the buns in her hair, she looks like somebody named Olga. Sorry if that offends anybody named Olga, but um, which translates to beautiful. So, you know, whatever. But She could bench press a Volkswagen. Yeah. I know because I looked it up when we were trying to figure out names for our second kid. We were like, what does Olga mean? I don't want to name her that, but I just... Now, we always we always use it as kind of a it means beautiful really what a horrible name to mean beautiful Olga whatever all right well Princess Olga could bench press a Volkswagen everybody. she really could 
it really does. And if you go back and look at them, they, they all the figures were like that. That and I read they were in the the special edition issue of Star Wars Insider that came out around Christmas had a an article about the release of those Power of the Force figures, and they talked about how yeah, you know, looking back, it probably wasn't really that necessary, but we felt like at the time that was what was popular. You know, it, it, yeah, in the nineteen nineties, it was right at the end of the He-Man era, and everybody liked. And it was right in the big WWE and WWF era, so everybody was big and buff and had lots of muscles. And you wanted your Star Wars figures to to match that craze and (laughs) whatever. I guess that works for you. Uh, So Uh, yeah, the yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say yeah, it uh, it's kind of crazy there. I've got a Luke Skywalker Battle of Hoth, Luke Skywalker and his. uh, pilot uniform mm-hmm. power of the force figure and i mean he's he's built like a triangle i can't stand him up on my display shelf mm-hmm. because he leans forward too much yep the the princess leia does that <laughs> she does the only way you can stand her up is if you lean her on her cape oh wow <laughs> yeah i think i successfully figured out but it took literally minutes not seconds her feet are so small you know mm-hmm. it, it, Chewbacca is like the easiest one to stand because his feet are wide enough to actually handle his weight, and he's the only one that looks normal because Chewbacca is supposed to be buff. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a big deal. And the Han Solo I have isn't bad. It's him in stormtrooper armor, so it's it's not terrible. But you're right. You know they're so big on the top, and their feet and legs are so thin and small. It's like this doesn't work. You know. You nah. need to do <laughs> the other leg day. Yeah. He's the other way around. But, anyway. Well, I'd like to do, uh, spend a day where we just talked about like some of those characters and how they were constructed and stuff like that. So oh, that, would, that, soon. that would be awesome. That'd be a lot of fun. That would be awesome. Especially how they skip that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, have to get Rob on. Get get the uh, the weightlifter himself to give us some advice here. You know, some, well. some Hans and Franz uh, commentary there. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful over there. That's him. <laughs> he truly is wonderful. Yeah, he truly is. Hey, Rob, when you listen to this, you're going to be like, oh, man. <sighs> they decided to bring me up in conversation. They're actually talking about me. We are. It's mostly because you're at the beach right now and we're not. Exactly. We're jealous. Yeah, that's it. It's totally it. I really We're am. stuck here in, you know, possible snow and you're down there <laughs> in the beach, you know. On the sandy shores, kicking your shoes off, playing in the ocean. We're having to wear coats and, and wonder when it's going to warm up again. And wonder why in the world I put my snow boots up a month and a half ago when, you know, it was 80 <laughs> degrees and now it's freezing. You know, whatever. It's not like my flowers haven't already bloomed and I was going to plant grass this weekend. <sighs> anyway. Well, you want the bad news or the really bad news? Alright, well, good news, ladies and gentlemen. Star Wars Celebration is next week. By the time we actually release this, which will probably be, let's see, it's April 6th. It'll be in a few weeks. I'm hoping about two weeks if I can get it edited as quickly as I'd like. So maybe maybe even at the end of next week if I'm really ambitious uh, with my editing. But anyway, so <laughs> maybe by the time Star Wars Celebration is over, this will be released. Uh, and we'll have some more exciting news uh, as far as the upcoming Star Wars uh, events, I know that they are going to have a 40th anniversary panel discussion. Oh. 
at Star Wars Celebration, and that's actually going to be streamed live on either Facebook or Twitter or through StarWars.com, and I'm going to try to stream it because I think I don't have to work that day. So, yay! Because um, next week's spring break for me. Woo! So, um, I think I'm going to try to stream it. I think it's Thursday of next week. Um, so, I think it's a week from today. And then, oh, in, a, cool. in addition to that, let's see. Uh, they've, of course, got a Last Jedi panel they're going to be doing. They've got uh, a, a panel about the Han Solo movie they're going to be doing. And we actually have a listener, or at least a, a Facebook friend in our group, uh, that's going to be at Star Wars Celebration. Um, so I'm hoping Rebecca, oh, cool. uh, Rebecca, who's uh, I know she's uh, frequently contributes some stuff to the Facebook page, will have a couple of pictures or comments or, or things like that from her time at Star Wars Celebration. Because I was hoping to go this year, I really was, because it was landed right during my spring break, and I was like, awesome, you know, my brother lives just down there. Yeah, I could go down and crash with him. At least just go one day, just to say I'd been there. And after my wife looked at me, she's like, no. You're not allowed to leave the state that close to delivery date. And I was like, well, oh. uh, I guess I'll have to be a responsible father, you know. <laughs> I guess I understand. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure, um, you know, that would probably not bode well for, you know, the story of my daughter's birth when we not here. Where were you, Daddy? I was at a Star Wars convention, you know, just rocking it out with you know, <laughs> Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. And, That's right. You know. Yeah, but I, I really wanted to be there, but I just couldn't miss this opportunity. I don't think that'd fly very It's well. Mark Hamill. <laughs> In person. Oh, it's Mark Hamill. You don't get to see Mark Hamill every day. No, you don't. But you don't get to see your daughter born every day either, Daddy. <laughs> oh, see, back to that whole conversation at the beginning about how I'm scared about ruining my children's lives. Yeah, that might do it. That would definitely be a step <laughs> yeah. in the right direction. Uh, or wrong direction, I guess. Um, it's a step down a dark path. Yes, it is. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And I would definitely be suffering. Yes, oh. you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, in addition to Star Wars Celebration being next week, which is definitely exciting, it is also good news to know that Netflix did not drop Clone Wars. I know this because I just watched an episode two days ago on Netflix. Um, <laughs> and I am more than, I'm only like ten episodes in the first season, so I am more than happy to go back and start over. Did you ever see the Clone Wars animated movie? I didn't see the movie. I've watched the series. I'm up to about halfway through season two right now. Okay. What I'm trying to figure out is is the movie precedes the series. Am I correct? I think it does, yes. Okay. Because it's also on Netflix, I think, unless they took it mm -hmm. off and just left the series, but I don't think they did. I think both of them are still up. Um, my plan was originally to go back and watch the movie and then just kind of jump back into the series again uh, with that backstory because Ahsoka, I'm assuming, becomes Anakin's Padawan in the movie. She does. Because she's already his Padawan in the first episode of se uh, season one. Yeah, they uh, – him and her go to a lot of stuff together in that series. I do know that. Because I've seen up through halfway through the second season of the series, mm -hmm. and then I've watched when it actually came on Cartoon Network the last couple of seasons. I would watch an episode here or there, and it it shows the falling out that they have, how she had a falling out with the Jedi Order, and it's it's really cool. I'm interested she, to yeah to dig into her character a little bit more because I saw that uh, David Filoni 
encourage the publishing of a book, and Ahsoka is, I believe, considered part of the new canon officially. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole history or her whole backstory after leaving Clone Wars. And I think that's she's become a very interesting character. And I think she's one of those introduced characters in the Star Wars universe that's become a very popular character. Like she's a very in, in, endearing character and one that a lot of fans really enjoy. I know what I have seen of her, I have liked. Yeah, she she grows on you. Yeah, it, she's kind of an annoying little kid in the beginning, but it, she very quickly becomes a very good balance to Anakin. She she does. They they complement each other very well as a as a master and a Padawan. So I, I was really pleased with what I have seen, and I'd like to kind of go back and dig into that. Um, and I know you and I have talked about this already, but fans, it might be mm-hmm. something we actually end up green screening. Uh, of course, I think I really liked your suggestion uh, when we were talking about this earlier, Landon. I think we will call it the Moss Eisley Drive-In. Um, there we go. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So we'll have Moss Eisley Drive-In movies with screens of uh, some of the Clone Wars shows, maybe. And if they ever put Rebels on Netflix, you know, that would just make my life so much easier. That would be awesome. I'm I have, really want to get into Rebels because that era is really my favorite era of the Star Wars history. And it's not really explored that that much either, you know, in canon now. That Rebels is I think Rebels and Rogue One are the only two kind of stories that have explored that time period, but that was kind of the transition from the from the Republic to the Empire taking over fully. Right. It's right at that point and also digging into uh, post a new hope, which a lot of the comics that we're reading do. Um so mm-hmm. that part, you know, like what hopefully we're going to get into today, though, good Lord, it's already 10 o'clock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the clock, I'm like, oh my gosh, we've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes already. Um, but yeah, it's just right around A New Hope. Anything during that time frame is just when the Empire is still the Empire, the Rebels are still the Rebels, it's not the New Republic, it's not the Old Republic, it's that battle of good versus evil. There's just a lot of good story there. Oh yeah. Um, especially when you've got that concept of three or four years between each movie, or three or four years before the first, between the first two movies, and then a year after the second one. That's time where you can actually have events happen, and that really, especially with the new canon bringing in a larger variety of characters, it provides you a lot of opportunity to give you a lot of different side stories, which is what makes the expanded universe so interesting. It is. It's cool. I'm. I'm digging. I'm digging expanded universe and all of the new canon stuff too. I am. They have you. Have you noticed they kind of complement each other? Like new, the the new canon will take parts of the old expanded universe and kind of rewrap it for for folks and make it canon. Now I'm I'm, I'm liking that. Me too. And uh, one of the people I would love to actually talk to, and because he's basically single handedly done it with Rebels, is is David Filoni. I'm assuming I pronounced his name right. Good Lord, I'm sure I butchered <laughs> it. But the guy that he's he's the producer and director. Am I right? If he's the I know he's the director. I think he is. Yeah, I know he's the director. He is the director. I don't know if he's the producer, but I know he's the director. Uh, he did Clone Wars and Rebels, and I've read a lot of interviews from Star Wars Insider about uh, with him, and he just seems like the nicest guy. He seems like a Star Wars fan, and from what I can tell, it looks like he read a lot of the expanded universe books and was like, you know. I'm going to take these as what they've they've titled them as legends now, not the expanded universe. I'm going to take this legend and make the 
story that that legend is about that can still be a legend, but the character can be real. Yeah. And then when you read the expanded universe book, it it could or could not be true. It's kind of one of those things where it could just be like a fable that got passed down from generation to generation. Ha ha! About this character could be could be a, a a completely fictitious story, but at least parts of it were were actually events that happened. And I, I like taking that element about the expanded universe books. It doesn't. It's definitely something I was scared they wouldn't do. I was scared when they announced that they were not going to consider any of the expanded universe canon, that they were just going to disgar- disregard everything. And I was like, no, oh, yeah. there's so much good stuff there. Don't disregard it all. I think instead, by saying, instead of declaring any of that not canon, we're just going to say. Those are stories that might or might not be true, but you're going to find that some of those stories are going to have a little bit of merit or truth in the new canon. And they're a lot stricter about making sure this new canon is within a certain timeline, within a certain frame. It makes sense. It's logical. You can follow it, and it uh, it makes a progression of, of, of stories that don't make you kind of jump around going, well, that, that completely discounts or discredits or disagrees with this book yeah. and all that stuff. They, they've done a really good job of somebody, I don't know who it is, I'm guessing it's more than one person, is sitting at a table going, okay, this comic is going to be written and this book is going to be written and they have to reference each other without contradicting one another. And we're going to hire this guy to write it. It's a lot to keep straight. Yeah, and they're doing a really good job with it. Especially when they're bringing in the old EU and, and making it part of the new. It makes my podcast a whole lot easier because I can reference... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, my goal was to make sure that the EU got the the original expanded universe got the respect that it deserved, and frankly, I, the the new stuff is doing a really good job of respecting the parts that I really liked about the old one. So it's awesome. It is. It's really cool. I was kind of like you at first. I'm like, oh man, they're gonna they're gonna gut the expanded universe and say that it didn't happen, and you know that's gonna be the end of it, and all those cool stories and all those interesting, you know. Plots and stories are just going to be thrown out the window, but they've really, you know, taken the best parts and done away with a lot of the parts that didn't work and integrated them into the canon. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I'm really impressed with what they've done, and I hope they continue to to keep doing such a you know a good quality job on it. Me too, me too. I was very nervous, but I'm a much more, I'm not only impressed but much more pleased with how things are going. I hope it continues. Um, and I look forward oh. to the new books just as much as I look forward to read, rereading the old ones. I'm just glad they didn't take them all off the shelves and go, nope, these are now worthless. Don't read them. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, that would have been probably the most devastating thing. Uh, well, one last bit of news yep. since we are in our Rebel Rumors segment, though I'd never really announced it, uh, is that today, which is April 6th, um, is Billy D. Williams' birthday. Yay! So, Landa Carizian was born on April 6, 1937. So that makes him, is it 80 this year? I believe you're right, yeah. Yeah, it's 80. Yep. So, wow. wow. Happy birthday, Lando. Happy birthday, Lando Calrissian. Uh Or Billy D, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so... Anyway, well, I, I was. there were a lot of other news things that I saw on Facebook, but most of them are rumors. And I don't want to jump into their actual rumors. They're, you know, well, could this be, the, you know, is Luke Skywalker going to be a gray Jedi? Is, you know, 
Ray gonna be dark <laughs> or good. I'm just like, you know, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna announce that Star Wars Celebration is coming out, and we're gonna have some official announcements here in about seven days. And when those official announcements come, then we can talk about them. You know, I'm That's not, right. I'm not, I'm not gonna jump on all these. Oh, the plot was leaked. We know what's gonna happen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I believe that about as much as the fact that you posted on April first. Good job. You know. No rumors and speculation here. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I don't mind speculating and rumoring, but I don't want to jump into <laughs> it when I, when we're so close to actually having real facts being distributed. There's no point. Yeah. Um, so I, I like speculating. It's fun, but <laughs> I'm horrible at it. Well, I still am firm. I'm, because they haven't announced it yet. I'm going to say it again because I don't know when Rob's going to ever publish the episode I said it on. But I still don't think. Snoke is a force user. Ooh. I think he is just a politician, kind of like you have the Guardians of the Willis in, in Rogue One, where you mm-hmm. believe in the force and you worship it as a religion. I think Snoke is a an acolyte of the dark side, a, a worshiper of the dark side, willing to use holocrons and writings of Sith Lords and stuff like that to teach the dark side, but he's not actually a user. And the only reason I say that is because of the conversation Han Solo had with Kylo Ren right before you know, the devastatingly horrible moment for Han Solo, which I can't talk about because I'll tear up just a little bit. No. Yeah, just a little bit. Oh, man. Ah, me. But uh, Han Solo basically said, you know, he wants you for your power. And I sat there and I was watching it, and it's been a couple months now, and I thought, now wait a second, why? Why would he want him for his power if he had that power too? Oh, that's a good point. You know, Very good point. So I could see him if he was a politician and he was trying to project himself as the new emperor. I could see how he would politically want to have a version of Darth Vader to kind of help reinforce the fact that he was a powerful leader, but especially if he didn't Mm. have that power, you know, then he would want to really kind of use Kylo Ren to that extent. Use it. Yeah. And it made me sit there and go, huh, now that would be an interesting twist. That would, you know, that has a, that makes a lot of sense too, because I just thought, you know, and this is this is a weird tangent, so I'm 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 gonna go there. I'll go for you it. know in the Wizard of Oz how the wizard projected himself as this all powerful head, you know, that he knew everything and then he was just a scared man behind a curtain. Right. What if Snoke is that equivalent? You know, he projects himself as this big, you know, all knowing leader but if he's not a force user like you said, I mean that would be the perfect cover. Yeah, it would be. You know, he's just he it's kind of it kind of parallels the wizard in the Wizard of Oz except he's evil. That would be interesting. I would like to see it. So you've got let's see. Hold on, hang on. Let me come up with it here. Lions, tigers, and bears. Luke, Ray, and Boba, or something like that. You know. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. So anyway, uh, it it would be really interesting to see how that would how that would develop. I would like to see that plot line. I still have another theory about Ray's lineage, but I'm pretty sure that one's going to get shot down. So, <laughs> it was. Based, I don't even know where to begin with that. Uh, yeah. 
I have a theory. It's based on a comic that they released right when Episode Seven came out. It was the Shatters, Shattered Empire comic. Mm-hmm. It was a four-issue volume, and I, I bought the. I have all of my comics. Almost all of my comics are digital copies because if I had physical copies of every comic I own on my Kindle, I'm pretty sure I would <laughs> not have room. And not all. I don't just read Star Wars comics. For those of you that actually, you know, listen to this podcast, I love Star Wars a lot. Clearly, or I wouldn't do this. But it's not the only thing I do. You know, I do read other books. I do read other comics. I do watch movies that aren't Star Wars. So I like DC and and Marvel comics and stuff like that too. So between Star Wars and and those, I my Kindle is already yelling at me. You have no storage left. Oh, well, tough. I'm going to still buy stuff. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, too bad. So Anyway, uh, I digress. <laughs> it would. It, there's a lot out there, and, and one of those comics discussed the, the possibility that there could be some other placement for the lineage of Rey that I would be interested to see if it actually happened. So I'm just going to kind of hold out and see. If I'm right, then great. I think I've mentioned it before. I know I've mentioned it to some people. I don't know if I've mentioned it on this show before, so... I can't remember, but it's based on that Shattered Empire comic, the whole theory. Cool. Madam Jocasta New, my name is Jameson, and this is Landon, and we are here to read from the Jedi Archives. So good to meet you. Let's show you around. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. That's great. Landon and I are looking for issue three of the new Marvel-run comics. Do you think the archives have it? (laughs) Well, the archives hold a great many secrets. Tis true. I hate to say it, but it looks like the system you're searching for doesn't exist. But we weren't looking for a system. We were looking for a comic. Are you sure the Jedi Archives are complete? If an item does not appear in our records, it does not exist. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm sorry, Madam Jocastanu. Here it is. Landon and I found it. Thank you very much for your help. Ladies and gentlemen, let's jump into the Jedi Archives and explore Issue 3 of the Marvel Run and Darth Vader Issue 1. All right, well, speaking of comics, since we've uh, gone in various different directions, (laughs) Rob and I have looked at issues one and two of the new Marvel Star Wars run. And tonight, if you're up to it there, Landon, you and I are going to dig into issue three. Oh, I'm always up for it, man. I'm excited because I just reread this issue, and this is a good issue. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. Action-packed, man. It is. It's a Kickstarter, and it just pushes you right through. Uh, so we're looking at issue three. I have, of course, the digital copy, which means I don't have any of the variant covers. So I have the official cover, which is the one I posted on the Facebook page today with Luke on the speeder bike flying with a lightsaber, shooting and every which way. And It's a really awesome cover, and it definitely kind of gives that personification of we are going to have a an action-packed issue from the first moment. That's what I have, too. I've got the, I've got the physical copy of it right here. Oh, sweet. I, I tell you, I would like to get the physical copies of these, but I'm not really sure what I'd do with them, except look at them and then put them on my bookshelf with my other That's... few physical <laughs> copies. And I'm, I'm fairly certain my wife 
would not be pleased. Cause I, That's what I've done. I really don't have room on that bookshelf anymore, especially now that I've got like those pop figures or whatever. So anyway, issue three was written by Jason Aaron. Artist was John Cassidy. Colorist was Laura Martin. Letterer was Chris... Uh, Elapulos? Elapulos? Something like that. We'll, we'll give you that. Sorry, Chris. Uh, yeah, sorry, bud. And the cover artists were, were both John Cassidy and Laura Martin. So it's pretty awesome uh, to, to have some of these, because these are a lot of the same names that we've seen since the beginning, so it's good to know they haven't changed within the first few issues. And it gives you, of course, the breakdown of Book 1, Part 3, Skywalker Strikes. And if, if you'll humor me for a moment here, Land, and I'll read through this. Go for it. It is a period of renewed hope for the Rebellion. The Galactic Empire's greatest weapon, the Death Star, has been destroyed. And now the Rebel Alliance looks to press its advantage by unleashing a daring offensive throughout the far reaches of space. Princess Leia Organa has led a covert team of Rebels in an attack on Simon 1 the largest weapons factory in the galaxy. But after rigging the factory's main power core to explode and rescuing dozens of innocent slave workers, their escape plan was thwarted by the unexpected arrival of Darth Vader. Now the rebels must fight their way th to freedom, using the Empire's own vehicles as their means of escape, and Luke Skywalker must remain one step ahead of the unstoppable Lord Vader, who is beginning to take an interest in the young rebel pilot. Dun, dun, dun... Excellent opening. Thank you. So we turn the page and we dig right in. And you're right. It just, I mean, action from the first panel. Uh, so what, why don't you go ahead and start us off with what's going so on? So first panel, we have uh, we have an AT-AT firing at some uh, some stormtroopers. They're firing back. Um, you can see some TIE fighters in the background trying to do a, uh, not really a bombing run because they're not TIE bombers, but they're just trying to, to shoot the, the AT-AT in the back and, and slow it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. yep. Then we go on down. Uh, do, you want, do you want to do the next one? Yeah. Uh, in the second panel, we've got uh, basically the page is split into two halves, and you've got two smaller panels in the middle. Uh, so I'll do the two middle panels. Uh, and in the okay. two middle panels, you've got a, kind of a scene of the ground fight. So if you in that first one that Landon described, you've got kind of the looking up at the sky with the TIE fighters. And then down on the ground, we've got this image of it looks like whatever species Ahsoka was. I can't remember off the top of my head. But an alien of her species getting completely you know, massacred in terms of, uh, of fire. You've got a, a really graphic image of this uh, the slave's face in agony and pain. Uh, and then in the background, you've got stormtroopers flying on speeder bikes as the indication that they're the guilty ones that are shooting. And then immediately below that, there's another panel with Luke on a speeder bike, very much like what we were seeing on the cover. And uh, he's flying his speeder bike and shooting at stormtroopers. So you can see that clearly there's a lot of back and forth as far as survival of the fittest uh, on the ground. And then in the last small, or rather large panel, uh, Landon. Last panel, you just kind of have Darth Vader just walking through all of this wreckage, you know. Just, I don't know, he's just like, it looks like he's, just, to me, just like casually strolling through, like, yep, okay, okay. I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him, and I'm going to chase them down is basically mm -hmm. the kind of image that he's given off in this in this panel. Yeah, he's a man on a mission. I love the detail with, like, his cape. Look at, like, the... Oh shattering yeah, I mean, and that you can see where there's strips of cloth that have been ripped or, or just shattered from from all the fire. Because in the previous issues of this, 
you know, Darth Vader was almost getting stepped on by the AT-AT uh, that Han mm-hmm. and, and Leia are driving, which is what we saw in the first panel. So he's not unscathed as far as this is concerned. No, he he's definitely been affected by the fighting, just like everyone else has in this in this battle. It looks like. Yeah, but yeah, from now the, there's some there's not some even dead stormtroopers at his feet too. I didn't notice that till just now. Yep, he's got two or three of them, uh, and then there's one slave that's that's strung out or left. Um, and I like uh, I, I I backed up to the full page. I don't know what it looks like on the on the paper copy, but on the digital copy. You can see the clouds to the left of Darth Vader, and they look very cartoony, you know, very much like a comic. Mm-hmm. But the ones on the right, right at the the bottom corner of the page, those look almost computer generated. Um, it's kind of like that in the paper copy too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the detail that I mean, because you know it's not computer generated, you know it's hand drawn. It's it's just it's very interesting. It's very detailed, very very attractive, uh, even for a battle scene. What is interesting is that even on this first page, there's not a single word of text, but you get a very clear picture of what's going on in the story. You know, there's a lot of shooting, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of blood, a lot of loss, and this that ominous presence of Darth Vader just casually walking through it, like, oh, this is no big deal. He's seen a lot worse. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's done a lot worse. <laughs> that's definitely true. Uh, and if we uh, switch over to the next page. You get a really nice shot of the AT-AT destroying a TIE fighter, and we start to actually see the text, and you realize that it's Han Solo telling or complimenting the princess on, on shooting at the TIE fighter and destroying it, but also indicating you, you really need to be paying attention to what's going on on the ground because we've got to actually make it through all of these troopers if we're going to actually survive this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're... Uh... They're kind of. This is kind of like a last ditch effort on yeah. the on the rebels' parts to try to get out of the out of the base. And we uh, below that after, below Han and Leia's conversation, we uh, we see an image of the Millennium Falcon just kind of sitting in a junkyard. It looks like, and these little uh, I don't know what species the, uh, these are, but they're kind of like I guess ten- octopus tentacle people. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what we would call them, but you know they're uh, they're kind of trying to scavenge off of the Millennium Falcon. It looks like taking parts here and there. Yeah, and They're definitely dispatching it. Doesn't, it doesn't really have it to spare, honestly. No, it doesn't. But they're uh, they're uh, trying to take it apart, and we see uh, C-3PO in the back of a basket, kind of like he was in a, or a sack, kind of like when he rode in uh, Chewbacca's uh, bag on uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, or not Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes in, Back. Yep, oh. Empire Strikes Back. That's Empire, late. golly. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm mixing my movies up, but... Uh, he's uh he's just talking to the creature, you know, trying to talking about Captain Antilles. <laughs> yeah, and he wasn't he belonged to Captain Antilles at the beginning of New Hope, so clearly he is quite scrambled as far mm-hmm. as his conversation. He's like, oh yes, I'm looking forward to a very nice, calm diplomatic mission. You know, that sounds very pleasant. Uh, and then this last frame <laughs> down here, he's still talking about you know the quieter the better, and you see some untranslated text of the alien, the, the tentacled alien, as a hairy arm has... It looks like he's grabbed his head. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it looks... And I, you, we know it's going to be Chewbacca just because it's a, a furry arm. But just just staring at it, you're like, is he going to rip the guy's head off? I mean, you know Wookiees are known for ripping off arms and limbs, but heads? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, anyway... Uh, so as we flip the page, you find 
that it is indeed Chewbacca, and he has uh, successfully saved the the pieces of C-3PO. And then uh, in the last frame on that page, if you want to go ahead and describe what happens there. Yeah, the, the last uh, frame, you know, you see or come across what it looks like a uh, radio or a communicator, and uh, Han says, Chewie, and <laughs> I love this, I knew you were dead, you old furball. <laughs> And he's telling, he's basically telling uh, Chewie, you know, get the get the Falcon in the air. We've uh, we've got trouble, and we got to get out of here. And the last uh, little text bubble on this frame is Hey, uh, not Leia, Hey, Leia saying Han, look out. And, and then we have to turn the page. And oh my goodness, she was definitely looking down. Uh, you see a, a little bit of a reminiscence of um, the tanks from Episode One in the background there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize that. I didn't oh, wow. either until then. Just the round shape of them and stuff like that. It, it's very reminiscent of those. Um, but anyway, it is. So they look down, and they're seeing scout walkers, assault tanks, and combat speeders that are all parked and ready and aimed and firing right at the AT-AT that Han and Leia have stolen. And uh, Leia makes this, this wisecrack comment, remind me to never attack another weapons factory. You know, clearly this was a bad idea because... Getting out is going to be <laughs> rather difficult. And they're trying to communicate with oh, Luke. Yeah. Uh, and Luke's in the bottom frame on this page, and he's like, uh, I'm coming. I'm, you know, I know you're under heavy fire. I'm, I'm closer than you think. And he's really, like, must be close. He's getting shot at quite a bit, though. He's got two or three stormtroopers behind him that are, that are shooting at him, and he's doing everything he can to dodge them. So it's very obvious that there's a lot of firepower going on on this, on this page. Yeah, it's crazy. There's explosions everywhere. It's like an action movie. Yeah, it is. And, and like you said earlier, this is an action-packed issue. It, it's nonstop from page to page. So speaking of explosions... It really is. I remember the first time I read it. No, go ahead. You know, first time I read it, I'm like, wow, that went by really quick. Yes. <laughs> that was a quick uh, quick issue just because it was so action-packed. Exactly. It, there wasn't a lot of development in it, but there was definitely a lot of action. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you turn the page, and speaking of explosions, I love this first panel. I have to talk about it, um, and then I'll let you take over the rest <laughs> of the page. Yeah, go for but it. But that, that first go panel. It, you know, you've got this explosion where clearly, uh, at least for my guess, because it looks like there's a piece of a um, speeder bike that's still in full construction on the back end. Uh, one of the two speeder bikes or three speeder bikes with stormtroopers on it that was chasing Luke crashes into... Han and Leia's AT-AT's foot and Luke evades the foot by flying underneath it sideways and I mean it is just an impressive scene I'm just like wow you know that is yeah. awesome uh, and then it's all I'll let you do the rest so the next panel we have Luke in a uh, stormtrooper shoulder to shoulder the stormtrooper on his bike and Luke on his and you know, Han saying, quit fooling around down there. We need some cover fire. And Luke's, you know, just kind of casual, like, yeah, sure, okay, you got it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, him and the stormtrooper, they're shoulder to shoulder. The next panel shows his lightsaber cutting through what it looks like one of the ATSTs, uh, probably like a part off the underside or off a leg of it. And it, it, it's so cool because you see the, the lightsaber rolling through the part. And the part is starting to drop. And then the next panel shows the leg of the ATST and the part falling on the stormtrooper that was, you know, beside him there. And yeah. the uh, panel above, halfway up, 
And, you know, Han's just like, well, hurry up and just blow out one of their legs. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm on my way. I promise. I'm coming. Coming, guys. Chill out. Yeah. Uh, and then he he makes it uh, to, I guess, where he's in front of the AT-AT because they see him. And he, they're like, don't get too close to the factory. The whole thing could blow any second. And that's when Leia makes the, the realization, you know, it's been too long. We, we set that reactor to explode, and it hasn't exploded yet. We've probably mm. got a problem. You know, it should be over by now. And uh, Han makes this wisecrack comment. I wonder if Jabba would still <laughs> give me my old job back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that was pretty good, especially since the whole reason they're here is because he was impersonating working for Java. No. <laughs> uh, the next three panels are pretty awesome. So I'm going to talk about the middle one. I'll let you do the bottom two. Uh, what I love okay, about cool. this middle one is you've got Darth Vader still casually walking. He it, It's like a Saturday stroll for him. You know, whatever, no big deal. And then it, right in the corner of the panel... There is a an extremely detailed. You can see the dent in his uh, helmet. It's a it's a stormtrooper's. That's a dead stormtrooper. I'm assuming. Uh, you know, scratches on his helmet. A dent right where he probably would have you know had a head injury and stuff like that. And it's zoomed in right in the front corner. So it's like the camera was taking a picture of Darth Vader and this guy just happened to fall dead right there at it. There's explosions all around. Darth Vader's just kind of you know whatever. I'm making my walk through. No big deal. I got this. <laughs> Vader's confident. Yeah. Then you go to the next panel below that, and it's kind of a, a perspective shot looking up at Vader kind of from the waist up, and he gets a message, you know, that the, the overseer of the factory said, you know, I'm happy to report we've managed to halt the reactor shutdown, and, you know, everything's good, factory's safe, and then Vader, you know, he kind of makes this... Uh, this line saying, you know, well, that's good. Maybe you'll live to see tomorrow then. Yeah. And he's telling him, you know, he needs uh, he needs reinforcements and anyone who can hold a blaster, you know, to help out that they're going to let the rebels escape no matter what. And then below that, you know, you have the response, yes, Lord Vader, you know, he's going to send the, the troops. And Vader is at the feet of the AT, uh, AT and he uh, has ignited his lightsaber so you've got that classic iconic uh red lightsaber with the with the red uh or not the red but the the black yeah i'll get it spit out here the lightsaber with the black head with the red blade on it yeah <laughs> yeah and you know that whenever he light, ignites that lightsaber something bad's going to happen Something's something bad somebody's hurting after that exactly and so we go to the next page and you've got this this panel that shows uh, Darth Vader, and I must say, I have to take this moment to talk about the artwork on this picture of Darth Vader. If we go back to like some of the conception arts uh, of some of these characters from when like Ralph McQuarrie designed them in 1977 to some of the concept art that's come out since the movies, this one actually makes me think more of Ralph McQuarrie than anything else. Uh, because you've got that kind of slender skull mask a little bit more uh so if you went back and looked yeah. at some of those early pictures i really feel like that was what they were trying to capture with this i don't know if that's what they were and i'm i'm certainly not an artist I, i'm that is not something i'm good at I, i'm a horrible drawer <laughs> uh, but i can appreciate when you, you're trying to to imitate or at least pay homage to to some sort of art or characteristic and i really feel like they're trying to do that in this scene but you've got this really mm -hmm. awesome shot with him slashing his lightsaber and cutting at something. You don't know what it is yet, 
but as you look through the rest of the page, you know, Han makes this comment, uh-oh, what was that? And that's when Leia's like, we just lost, like, the rear ankle. So he literally, like, cut off the foot of one of the AT-ATs at that point. Uh, and it's amazing. So then I guess you got to think about, like, a three-legged dog or something, you know. They, they can still move, but it's not going to be nearly as, as quick or as mobile. Mm-hmm. Vader's just a bad man in that in that panel. Yeah, he is. And then you know we go back and Han saying, "Hey, uh, Chewie, tell me that we've got it in the uh, Millennium Falcon in the air." And you know, <laughs> you I hear, love this. Rrr, rrr. What he you... goes, "What do you mean we need another half day <laughs> or another day and a half?" <laughs> that was great. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And, and you know, he's like, "We'll be dead in five minutes." And then C three PO is still uh, going on. He's still shell shot saying, "Oh." Oh dear, I'm afraid they're all quite doomed, Captain Antilles. <laughs> yeah, he's still talking to Captain Antilles, who's been dead since Darth Vader killed him on a new on on the Tantive Four in A New Hope. And then you've got this scene with Luke Skywalker. I'm not really sure what he's doing here. He's slashing at something. I assumed it's part of the ATAT, but surely he wouldn't be causing more damage to to what Han and Leia are in. So I'm guessing it's an Imperial device of some kind that he's slashing at and destroying, but I, it doesn't really indicate. It just shows that hmm. he's still somewhere nearby. It um, looks like the side of an ATST kind of. Maybe. Like the head of one. Okay. That would make sense, That I would guess. make more sense than, yeah, it does. It could be an ATST. I see maybe those beams or poles are, are, the, are the gun barrels that are, that are being slashed off. That, that, that would make it. sense. That may be it. That, that looks like it. And then the last scene is, is again, of Darth Vader slashing away at something and you're wondering what it's going to be you slip to the next panel and you've got a nice vision of leia's apparently gone down periscope and trying to see what's going on underneath <laughs> and yeah did you catch that reference uh, yeah i that like was, that, that was, that's an old movie but anyway um so ah, let's see what you did there yeah uh nobody's gonna catch that except probably you but anyway um <laughs> so Leia finally realizes that what's happening to them is Darth Vader is literally like cutting stuff off and I love Han's line here Vader how many times do we have to kill this guy before he actually dies <laughs> oh and you know the next, the next panel is him you know slicing another another ankle off and uh, there's no dialogue or anything he's just slicing away and then the next panel Beside that is Luke, you know, he realizes that, you know, Vader's there and he's going to get him. And, you know, Han's telling him, he's like, no, stay back. You know, we've taken too much uh, damage. You know, we're going to try to, to lay her down and, and try to escape. And Luke's like, no, don't don't try. Yeah. And then you've got uh, another shot of, of Darth Vader either cutting off another foot or finishing off the foot that he was cutting off a second ago. Uh, but it's clearly separated at this point, and it very much looks like the, the AT-AT is going to crash down. And the last panel is uh, another hint at possible romance between Han and Leia as they're both saying each other's names with the the ellipses afterwards of Han, Leia. <laughs> Mater might not survive this. And then the next page, almost full page spread is of this ATAT just crashing down and you can see even more of the shreds of Vader's cape. Um, I love the silhouette yeah, that he presents in that frame. I mean that's just that's awesome. You see the foot that he cut he, off just I was sitting say, there. He's owning it. Yeah. 
You see the foot he cut off just sitting there by itself, you know. You can see the leg bent yeah. over right by his head. That's that's really cool. I didn't notice that before. So, and I love his line here. He because it just zooms in on his face in the last pa- in the other panel on the page, which is the only other one there. And it has the walker has fallen. Move in for the kill. So clearly he's talking like stormtroopers and stuff like that. Oof. Things are not looking good for our for our for uh, our trio. friends. Yeah. For our rebel friends. You turn the page, and then the next uh, panel, you have Luke coming in on the speed box screaming, no, cutting down through, uh, cutting down some stormtroopers. And then below that, you know, you've got Leia and Han and the uh, slaves trying to escape the downed AT-AT. And R2-D2, I didn't realize R2-D2 was in that picture either. But, I didn't either. Uh, he's behind Leia, and she's, and she's telling, you know, she's telling everybody to run, you know, get away. Vader is on the way. And then the next panel, Vader and a large number of stormtroopers show up. And it looks like he just used the force and threw that slave into the wall. Uh, I didn't notice yeah. that before, but his hand is, is in a way oh, that kind of indicates that. Because his, his comment makes sense to that picture. He's like, the slaves are nothing. I want those rebels. And uh, the last panel is, is Luke shooting a couple of stormtroopers behind Han and Leia as they are, and the slaves are trying to escape. So it's it's still looking grim, but yeah, um, they're still trying at least. Then the the next page, you know, uh, we have Leia telling Luke to come on, and he says, you know, I can't let this all be for nothing. You know, he looks like he's turn turning around, going back to the weapons factory. Leia, you know, tells him, hey, it's an order. You know, get off the get off the the speeder bike. And Luke, you know, he tells him, he says, you know, guys, don't wait for me. And he's going off toward the factory with everyone yelling his name. And then uh, the last two panels you've got are of Darth Vader is standing with a lot of the stormtroopers, and they're kind of announcing to Darth Vader they've gotten into the trash fields. Uh, we'll send some tie bombers out to blow them up and, and kind of you know wean them out that way. And then uh, one of the other stormtroopers is like, "Sir, there seems to be one rebel that's headed back to the factory. What should we do?" And Darth Vader's like, "You go after the the guys in the trash fields." And then he, like, force slings a guy out of one of the speeders, uh, or gunboats, rather, that's uh, sitting right there and jumps in. And it's very obvious that he's going to be chasing after after Luke. <laughs> then we uh, we turn the page, and we've got Luke, you know, no dialogue or anything. He's going back into the factory, blows past some stormtroopers, and, you know, he starts looking back, and Vader is after him in the gunboat. Yeah, and it, for the first scene you see is is Luke looking back and having like flak and, and blaster fire all around him, and then the next panel is a, a shot of the gunboat actually shooting, and then it finishes. Uh, the fourth frame is Darth Vader in his ominous looking uh, garb and uh, flying the the gunboat, saying, "Not this time, boy. You cannot outrun me again." Clearly referencing the trench battle and in, in the Death Star from the episode four and then uh on the next page it switches over and uh, you you see the overseer agadine or whatever his name was being told sir it looks like we've averted the catastrophe we've got the uh the core back in good shape everything seems to be restored just like normal and overseer everything's like thank goodness that was really close glad it's glad it's over and right at that moment luke skywalker blows in and he's shooting away and you can see that he hits the reactor core and then you know, I'll let you finish it off. And then, uh, you know, there's a 
computerized voice that says, you know, the power warning, power core overload detected. And the poor overseer, he's like, oh, no, this can't happen. Lord Vader will have my... And then in the next panel, you see Vader's little gun come by and, like, decapitate him with one of the wings. You know, I wondered about that. Did they... Did it actually decapitate him? Because that's... That would that, be, you know, that's really good graphic. reference. Lord Vader will have my, you know, the ne- next word would be head, and and clearly, if he mm-hmm. did decapitate him, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> he definitely had his head. <laughs> so I'm I'm hoping it's just his hat, but it really does look like it does in the in the picture in the in the panel. It looks like his Ooh. his head was detached from the body, which is pretty dark. But whatever, that is, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, the on the next page, you've got four panels, three across the top and one wide one on the bottom. And the first one on the left is, is Luke simply announcing that he's been hit, finally, by Darth Vader. And then he, <laughs> he's worried that he's not going to make it out of, the, out of the factory before it explodes, and he's pretty much anticipating that he's going to die. Uh, and what's ironic is he's apologizing to his father because he wants to be a good Jedi, and he doesn't realize that his well, you know, spoiler for those of you that never saw Empire Strikes Back, but <laughs> doesn't realize his father is the one that's shooting at him. So he flies out of the factory miraculously with, like, this tail on fire, and then you see the factory exploding. So just action-packed all the way through here. Just a bunch of panels of explosions, and in the middle of all the explosions, again, just looking as calm as ever is Darth Vader. Darth Vader right in the middle of all the exploding factory parts, and... You know, there's some different perspectives of him walking through the factory, and then you see him kind of looking up, and there goes the Millennium Falcon off from the from the planet. Yep. And you think, oh wow, this is over, <gasps> but it's not. <laughs> there's more. Uh, so now you you get to the next pan, uh, next page, and you've got a few panels uh, clearly inside the the Millennium Falcon. You've got Chewbacca, you know, some sort of comment. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really a bad Chewbacca. I can do better than that. <laughs> um, but uh, somebody is yelling at him to get the hyperdrive working, which I assume is Leia or Han. Han looks like he's injured um, mm-hmm. because he's not making any logical comments. I do like that it's like, Chewbacca, we need that hyperdrive working now. And Chewbacca goes, and Leia's like, what did he say? And and Han says something unintelligible, like, <laughs> and Leia's like, that's what I thought. <laughs> glad she understood it then you know down below that we've kind of got them coming into a field of star destroyers just kind of waiting for them and laying says you know those are star destroyers are gonna they're about to blast us you know out of the sky and this line here she said i'm going ahead and making the jump to light speed please just let this ship like work the way it's supposed to just once <laughs> that's pretty good uh, that's, <laughs> i love that i do too and it's so true you know it is it's a hunk of junk. It never works. But oh, no. miraculously, you turn the page, and sure enough, it works. Maybe this ship isn't so bad after all. You'll never remember I said that, will you? <laughs> so she's she's making a nice comment about it, but apparently Han is almost incapacitated. So <laughs> the uh, the next panel is pretty pretty intense. Uh, you know, it's the captain of one of the star destroyers and. You know, he says, Lord Vader, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to inform you or regret to inform you that the ship, Rebel ship, has eluded the blockade and it appears that they, and then you hear, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Well, that was a great rendition. I liked that. Oh, uh, that was, that was, that was some, some hardcore acting there. And 
Vader starts musing, he's like, you know, the boy, the boy is uh, your last great hope, isn't he, Obi Wan? You know, and he he's you know he starts coming to the realization that Obi Wan went into hiding to protect him. Yeah. And that he's very strong in the Force. But untrained. But untrained, and then he makes a suggestion, you know, he's untrained, but who is there left to train him? No one but me. Yeah. And then that last that last scene, again, this, this kind of grainy picture of him kind of walking away casually. He's still kind of talking to the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi here. He says, when I find him, I will make him my weapon, not yours. The dark side always wins. So the next page, you've got the Millennium Falcon flying through hyperspace. The slaves are clearly celebrating the fact that they got off Simon 1. Uh, C-3PO is still in, <laughs> in pieces and clearly not doing well. Uh, he says, if I may speak frankly, Captain Antilles, that was the strangest diplomatic mission I've ever experienced. So he doesn't really feel like he's experienced a very diplomatic mission, which is true. Uh, as Anakin Skywalker would say, I believe they were dealing with aggressive negotiations. <laughs> so, Ben Leia is trying to console or help out Luke and thanking him for, for going back and destroying the, the factory. But Luke is basically kind of sitting there going, this is hopeless. You know, I can't. Tr I don't have anybody to train with. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I've got to face that guy again. You know, Darth Vader is impossible. I can't beat him. Which is true. <laughs> he Yeah, right now he would be annihilated. Yeah, that's very true. So we turn the page, and the next scene is of what looks like to be Tatooine. It's just a desert planet with two suns. And there's a... Uh, Kyrate dragon. Bones. Yep, some kind of... Some bones just kind of hanging out in the desert. And we see a speeder. And you see uh, two characters talking in it, and they talk about how uh, it's the Dune Sea, and that they've just come a long way to dump a body. Yeah, and the, one of the characters is like, why are we trying to dump this body out here? And the other guy's like, well, because we don't have to pay a tax or whatever. And <laughs> uh, I didn't realize you had to pay a tax to dump a body, but whatever. And the the first guy's like, well, you know, there's nobody out here. What are you talking about? There's that hut over there. And the, the first guy's like, yeah, but that's just some old crazy wizard. Kenobi, I think he's called. Don't worry about the him. He keeps to himself. Just keep an eye out for sand people. So we're clearly on Tatooine, and they're traveling past Ben Kenobi's hut. And when you flip the page, it's, again, basically no text for a while, but it zooms in on the actual door to the hut. And then in the next panel, we see the inside of that door. So we've basically just switched perspectives from outside of the house to in it. And it starts to zoom in on this box that's just on a table inside the door. And that box says, uh, a translation here is, is for Luke. And that's how the issue ends. So you, you know that there's Obi-Wan has left something for Luke in his hut. Um, and the question is, when is Luke going to find out about it? That's right. Leaves you on a, leaves you on a cliffhanger. Yep. It's a, it, but it's a good cliffhanger. You know? it's, it is. Definitely sets the stage for a lot of upcoming stuff. Impressive. Most impressive. And one of the things I wanted to do today, and I think we'll just jump into it if you're still up to it, I know it's a little late. Sure. Um, uh, is because it follows. I don't know when they released the Darth Vader issue, but chronologically and storyline, 
Darth Vader 1 is the next story to read. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and open up. I've got a, a digital copy of the Volume 1 of the Darth Vader comics, which is like issues 1 through 6. Mm-hmm. Um, so the in the Darth Vader comic, so it's a different collection of artists and colorists. The writer is Kieron. Is that right? Kieron, K-I-E-R-O-N, Kieron Gillen? Let's see. I'm trying to find my page in here that says who did what on it. They give you a, a, a few pages. It's Gillen is the last name, G-I-L-L-E-N. I think it's Kieron Gillen. The artist is Salvador LaRocca. Colorist is Edgar Delgado. Letterer mm-hmm. is VCs Joe Caramagna, Caramagna. And the cover art was by A.D. Granov, which the cover art was really cool. It was a They had a lot of good variants on this one too, though, but it was just a very ominous scene of... It looked like him coming out of his meditation chamber with his lightsaber up. So there's a lot of detail to it. I was, I was pretty impressed with that cover. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, it goes with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. There's a lot of uh, preamble here. Um, and then it starts with the book one, Vader. And since I read the uh, Star Wars one, why don't you read this one for us? All right. It is a period of insurgence. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base on the moon of Yavin have won a shocking surprise victory against the rightful reign of the Galactic Empire. The Empire's ultimate peacekeeping force, the Death Star, was destroyed due to the unforeseen design flaw. To an unforeseen design flaw, without this deterrent, the rule of law is in danger. Chaos looms. For the 19 years after the vanquishing of the Jedi and his painful rebirth on volcanic Mustafar, Sith Lord Darth Vader has faithfully served his master, but now he must but now he has failed the Emperor and must pay the price. I love that. I love how it's from the Empire's perspective. Yeah. I do too. Um I think that's and I really I I know that this didn't end up becoming a a long term run like the Marvel run's gonna be. And I'm actually disappointed in that because I think it would be really good to have a light side and a dark side comic. That would be cool. I would, know, I would like that. Long-term run with the crossovers like they did with the Vader Down story arc that comes up later. Stuff like that. Just occasional crossovers, but for the most part, a, a light side and a dark side run. A perspective mm-hmm. of this war from the good guys, or the rebels, and a perspective mm-hmm. of this war from the Empire. But, I mean... I, I do see why it might run its course and, and not work out, because as we see in this comic, they do parallel each other very well. But, you know, eventually I feel like you'd be getting the same story, and, and it might not necessarily sell as well getting the same story uh, yeah. twice. So I can see that. Uh, but, you know, considering we hinted that, you know, there was some sort of connection between Darth Vader 1, which is what we're in right now, and issue three of the Marvel, you would expect it to have some sort of connection to the Simon One event right when you uh, start it. But instead, we're on Tatooine again because uh, you can clearly see the twin suns and Jabba's palace, and that's the whole page for me for the first one. See, mine's a little bit different. Oh, the, nope. the paper copy. There's a little bit more there. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead and tell me what's on the rest of it, though. Oh. Uh paper copy is just the inside of Jabba's palace and the doors just kind of slowly opening to show kind of a silhouette of Vader out in the out in the light. Yep. I see that now as I flip the panel. Uh, so he walks in 
uh, you can see his uh, silhouette again through the from the light outside. And there's two Gamoran guards that are trying to prevent him from entering into Jabba's palace. And once again, you see the Darth Vader's lightsaber just turn on. And in the last panel on that page, you see pieces of Gamoran guards smoking on the floor. So clearly, their primitive weapons did not survive. Nope. Not against Vader. Yeah. And then you see on the next page in the in the paper, the physical copy, uh, Vader's, uh, Vader actually walking down a hall and then his shadow kind of looming in the background on the walls. And I can never remember this guy's name. It is Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna kind of approaches him and starts speaking an unintelligible alien language to him. And Vader just basically says, I will speak with the hut turns his lightsaber on and says, tell him. And uh, old Bibb's just like, uh, okay, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say, man. Definitely doubt for his own interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we get a little bit of Hutsey translation, so we're going to know that the text being spoken now is, is, is Hutsey. Uh, and Bib Fortuna is running up to Jabba the Hutt to wake him up and going, he's here! Wake up, wake up! So Jabba the Hutt wakes up and uh, Bib Fortuna basically tells him, you know, he just killed the guards, and he's, you know, um, and then Jabba smacks him, just like, be quiet, go away. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk to you. Uh, so he looks at Darth Vader, and he's like, you arrive a day early, kill two of my guards, and expect me to, to deal with you? Like, how dare you? That's pretty brazen for yeah, Jabba, you know. It is. Think about it. And then you turn the page, and it's just a full in the... Uh, and the physical copy, which is really cool, is a full two-page spread of Vader just kind of standing amongst all the people that are in Jabba's palace at the time. Uh, you can see Boba Fett in the background. Yep, I can see him. Uh, Panda Baba behind him. I see uh, the blue elephant. I can't remember his name right now, but it'll keep... Max Rebo! Max Rebo! That's it. Yeah. Max Rebo, Gamorrean oh, Guard. You gotta do it. You gotta do your Max Rebo impression. Sorry. I'm not a blue elephant, baby. (laughs) I told you I'm not an elephant. (laughs) Just because I have a trunk doesn't mean I'm an elephant. Yeah, I know. I just insulted you. Sorry. That's okay. (laughs) Uh, I see um, bounty hunters in the background. I see IG-88 just barely back there. Yep, I do. And you see the back of Salacious Crumb's head uh, Mm -hmm. here on the front left. And this is this Bosk over here on uh, Bosk over here on the right beside uh, Boba Fett. I think it is. Yeah. yeah, that looks like him from the side. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other bounty hunter's name. The guy that wears bandages, Dengar. Yes. I think I see him kind of kind of behind Vader too. I'm looking. I, you see I, kind I, of a human with a with like a a wrap around his head. Yeah, I, I, it could be. It very well could be. Uh, it looks like uh, standing beside him, or, or kind of in between him and IG-88. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah. like a, there's a ton of fan service in this in this two-page spread. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of nice stuff here. Um, it's 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 good. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice. There's a, a female slave toilet, I'm guessing, right there behind Max Rebo. You can just barely see her poking her head out. Yep, and one of the one of the other dancers. Her. Yeah, one of the other dancers, and then you can see the um, the one the 
I don't know what it is, but the one that they they have dancing blah, 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 when they did the uh, re- uh, 1990s the, the re-release where she has that singing solo. That's Lost Noodles. <laughs> yeah, if you look back there, she's in the back pan- uh, back of the right side. Yeah. Um, right there near Boba Fett's head and a little bit behind him. I didn't see her the first time. I was like, oh, there she is. I didn't either. That was a good catch. Yeah, thank you. Little Jawa there. Yeah, I see the Jawa. That was good. And then, of course, you got the one Gamorrean guard there. But they got a lot of detail in here. They squeezed as much in as they could, didn't they? They did. Invader has, like, the greatest comeback to Jabba ever. He's like, I've only killed two. Do not make me reconsider my generosity. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's an awesome statement. <laughs> you definitely see the the callous nature of Darth Vader in this comic, um, which I love. You know that, that that makes it even more exciting. He's just like I could kill every one of you in here if I wanted to, but I'm nice. you know you better be glad that I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to be nice. Uh, so when you turn the page, even though it's it's very difficult to want to leave that page just because of how awesome it is. Yeah. You start to get a little bit of banter back and forth between Jabba and Darth Vader, but at that top panel, you can still see. I can still see IG88 very clearly because mm-hmm. of his eyes. Yep. You know, you can start. You can still pick out some of the characters that we just looked at. Um, but basically, Jabba's like, "What do you want?" And, and Darth Vader's like, "I want to talk to you privately. So send everybody out." So once everybody's left, Jabba goes, "All right, now what can I do for you?" for the Empire, and that's when Darth Vader basically says, you're not doing anything for the Empire, you're doing something for me, personally. And we don't know what that is yet, but it's it's definitely clearly something different <laughs> than what the Emperor has planned. And, you know, you turn the page, and it's a, uh, it's a picture of Darth Vader's face and him just kind of, like, pointing directly at, you know, at you. You know he's pointing at Jabba, but he's pointing at you from the perspective of the panel. He wants of the panel for the Imperial Army. <laughs> That would be a good recruiting poster there, actually. I didn't think of that. That would be good. It looks good, you know. And he he, he just says, you know, I'm going to come back here tomorrow in a in a more professional capacity. This is a personal issue, and he says, you know, he'll need it for his satisfaction. And uh, Jabba's like, you know, don't even think to perform a mind trick. They don't work on the great Jabba. <laughs> And uh, that's when Darth Vader's like, I don't use mind tricks. That's not what I'm here for. And, and I love this statement here. You haven't dealt with a Jedi in a long time. They are gone. The reason why stands before you. Step carefully. Uh, <laughs> you're messing with the wrong person. And at that point, Jabba, is, you, you see that there's a little focus on the fact that Darth Vader is barely standing on... Uh, the trap door that we know about from Return of the Jedi in terms of the Rancor pit. And Jabba's bringing up the fact there's a huge bounty on Darth Vader's head. And he's like, you know, I could just, you know, it would be great if I could just turn you into the Rebels and, you know, Mm -hmm. have that solution. Uh, But at that point, you know, you see Jabba's hand kind of creeping over to the button that would release the trap door and, and basically throw Darth Vader into the Rancor pit. And you turn the page and Darth Vader steps back. (laughs) <laughs> I love that, you know, Vader is just kind of like, yeah, I saw what you were trying to do there. And, you know, Job even says, hmm, you know, you seem to know enough to step carefully. And he says, you know, Kellen, you know, he's like, he wants to know, are you brave or foolish? And, you know, Vader says, you know, that's not what the question is. He goes, the question is, are you? 
And, then, and you know, Jabba's just kind of like, ha, oh, oh, ha, oh. ha. Yeah. Oh, whatever, Jedi. And at that point, <laughs> you can tell that Darth Vader is getting a little miffed. So, uh, <laughs> the, the conversation continues. Jabba goes, oh, Jedi, always making things ever so difficult or whatever. And at that point, Darth Vader turns his lightsaber on, and several of the audience members and guards have returned. And there's a, a brief battle here where Darth Vader is reflecting a lot of bolts, cutting off several limbs, and makes very short work over the course of the next several panels. Uh, about mm-hmm. two pages work here, where you just kind of see him fighting very... He's not, it doesn't look like he's really putting forth a lot of effort. Just kind of casually, oh, let me block that shot, and here, slash, and, oh, you're dead. So after a couple of pages of that, you see basically body parts and dead bodies all <laughs> lying around. And then one of the last scenes uh, before the fighting stops is a blaster bolt that Darth Vader has deflected that cuts into uh, Jabba's snack bowl of those frog things that he liked to eat. And then, you know, Vader's just kind of, like you said, standing there amongst the, the bodies. And Jabba's starting to backpedal a little bit here. You know, he, he says, you know, let's not be hasty. You know, we can we can try to work this out. And Vader gives, like, the best reason ever for flipping out. He's like, you called me a Jedi. You don't know anything. Mind tricks are not of the dark side. And he starts force choking Jabba in the next panel. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I love that he's, the wording he uses. We prefer force. <laughs> with the force do you understand and then you're like Jabba's like yes. <laughs> barely squeezing it out as he's trying to breathe and at that point you know uh, Darth Vader lets go and uh, Jabba goes you drive a hard bargain it's difficult not to respect that and then Darth Vader goes that's good this is this is why we're having this conversation <laughs> You know, I just realized something. Darth Vader is like the ultimate dad joke king. You know, if you think about it in the comic, and then you think about it in Rogue One, where he's talking to Krennic in the castle, don't choke on your aspirations. Yeah. He's like the ultimate dad joke. Yeah, it's pretty good. I actually referenced that quote today in class when I was teaching one of my students. Um, <laughs> uh, and I even made a pre uh, a little bit of a precursor comment. I was like, guys, for those of you that haven't seen Rogue One, you're not going to get this. I made the comment about, you know, choking on your aspirations and something like that. And Hawkeye's like, oh, I got it. Like, <laughs> it's like, very good. You can go sit out in the hall now. Yep, yep. Congratulations. You passed today. If you didn't get it, you <laughs> fail. <laughs> Can't do that. That would be illegal. But it would totally be fun. It would be cool, yes. Uh, so as we, turn, <laughs> as we turn the page, um, we get a notice that now we are a day earlier. So we've... Clearly, we've gone back in time a little bit, and Darth Vader is bowing before the Emperor on Coruscant. Is it Coruscant or Coruscant? You know, I don't know. I've always heard it called Coruscant. I have too. But it's spelled Coruscant. I don't know. I heard somebody, I don't remember who, I don't remember if it was a, I don't know, say Coruscant, and I looked at it and I thought, you know, I never really noticed that C after the S. I always thought it was silent. I don't know. I always did, too. Like a French pronunciation yeah. or something. Coruscant. Yeah, like Coruscant. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we're going to say Coruscant, and if it's wrong, then I apologize, listeners. Uh, so anyway, uh, Darth Vader is uh, bowing down to the Emperor, and the Emperor is like, well, Vader, explain what has happened now. 
and with the the boldness of the text and stuff like that, you can tell that the emperor is displeased. He's not happy. Yeah, and at that point, uh, I'll let you talk about the the next page. At that point, Darth Vader is like, I arrived on Simon One to do the negotiations, and found that the entire place was under assault by rebel forces. Then on the uh, the next page, it's just kind of a little synopsis of what happened in uh, Star Wars issue number three of how the rebels snuck onto the base as uh, posing as Jabba's envoy and pretty much infiltrated the, the weapons factory and blew it up. And uh, Vader, you know, is given his report. He says they tortured an overseer and, you know, that gave them the codes to get in. And then they attempted to destroy their reactor core and they succeeded and uh, then Palpatine, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do my pal. I have a Palpatine voice if I can try to get it mustered up. This is a considerable setback to our production. What of the overseer? Oh, that was great. You can't talk his voice any other way. You are now. Um, I, I will now be Emperor, now Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine. I'll try to do Darth <laughs> Vader here, but I'm not very good with him, right? Um. <sighs> I brought Agadine with me. I thought you would like to hear him yourself. <laughs> I don't know if that worked out very well, but anyway. That was good. No, no I like that. All right. <laughs> so, That's good. We'll do the Emperor and, and Darth on all these. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so evidently, we did not decapitate Agadine because he's in the next panel. Sorry. Oh, well. That's good, though, for That's him. That's good. It's good for him. but Maybe. Maybe. But I don't know. It looks like he's about to get tortured, so I'm not sure if it's really that good. I might prefer to have been decapitated. Uh, at least the pain would be over faster. Mm-hmm. You know, they like you said, they've got him kind of strapped to this torture table, it looks like. And Vader's like, he's not going to fail us again. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, you can see the probe droid or the, the torture droid, very similar to the one they used on Princess Leia in Episode 4. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, as you go down some of the panels, Darth Vader is clearly trying to get the conversation to to lead to Luke. He's trying to point out that you know there's something about the rebels that is bothering me, but Palpatine is not having any of it. He's like, oh, enough about this. I want to talk about your failures. I, mm-hmm. And this is the first time we kind of see a very much displeased Emperor with Darth Vader, not just with you know, how circumstances are going, but with Vader himself. Oh, Darth, you failed at your job. Mm, evidently. The boss is getting you. Uh, uh, yeah. So I'll let you do the next page. Okay, so the next page uh, on the top panel, you know, we've got uh, Vader and Palpatine talking. And, you know, they kept – they talk about how they kind of kept the skeleton of the Republic alive, you know, for 20 years while they were building the the, the Death Star – and, you know, Palpatine brings up a point, you know, that Vader has been his apprentice now for 20 years and that all that, you know, planning is now a layer of dust. So that that's pretty, you know, this is the first time we've ever seen the Emperor, like, show some real just angry emotion mm-hmm. about the defeat of the Death Star. Right. You know, we go down and him and Vader just kind of walking and talking past him and stormtrooper guards. And, you know, he says, we no longer have a Senate to hold order uh we we do not have a death star to force it so he says our greatest weapon is gone our production is in ashes and we're besieged 
in all these years, we have never skirted closer to disaster thanks to you. And, you know, he turns around and he's just kind of like pointing at Vader, like, you know, it's your fault that we're in this mess and you're going to have to fix it. Yeah, because he blamed him for tagging the Rebel, for tagging the Millennium Falcon and then deliberately letting them go so they could follow him to the Rebel base. And, you know, Darth Vader's like, well, I take responsibility. I understand. I did that. I agree. That was my fault. But it wasn't my fault alone. You know, there were others involved. And, of mm-hmm. course, one of the problems is that you put so much faith in the Death Star. It's, it's just nothing by comparison. And as you turn the page, you know, the Emperor is like, yes, I agree. Tarkin and, and Mati and others share the blame, but they're all dead. So the only person I have left to blame is you, because you actually survived the event of the destruction of the Death Star. You know, he's pretty much just chewing him out here, telling him, oh, you know, mocking him, you're the, you truly are the chosen one, Vader, chosen to be the responsible one. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. that's a good dad line right there. I might have to use that. Um, you know, and Vader's telling you, know, I'll, <laughs> I'll make it right, you know, I'm going to crush the rebels for you. And uh, Palpatine's, no, I think not. You know, you think yourself so clever, but you've proved yourself a blunt instrument far better to a wielder than to be, far better to be wielded than to be, to wield. Wow, that's hard to say. Yeah, but he's basically saying that Darth Vader's not capable of handling his own. Uh, yeah. And, and and then you realize, you find out that one of the commanders that was on the Death Star uh, did survive because he left before it was destroyed. That was Commander Tag, and that at this point Darth Vader would now report to and follow the orders of Commander Tag. And if you remember Commander Tag, him and Vader didn't especially get along on the yeah, Death Star. He was the one that Darth Vader tried to choke, uh, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Wasn't it him? That, I believe that was, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So you know that they've got that going on between them. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great reunion. <laughs> And then you turn the page, you know, after Vader's pretty much been told that he's going to be tagged subordinate from now on. And the Emperor's telling Vader, you know, but first you got to finish your dealings with the Huts. Um, you know, if he cannot bring us an agent, we must go to the... If he cannot bring an agent to the core, we must go to the Outer Rim. You know, and he's just kind of telling Vader, you know, look, you've got to get this Hut deal done first before we can do anything. And Vader pretty much says, I'm not accustomed to haggling. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's not a car salesman. Nope. <laughs> he pays sticker price for everything. I love the uh, the Emperor's line about, oh, besides, this will be a sentimental trip for you. You're going home. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he tells him that's good. And apparently, you know, on the next page we have a, a gentleman who looks like he has an eye implant. Does Doesn't really... He looks like Kano from Mortal Kombat. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. I'm guessing he's probably a bounty hunter just by the way he looks. Yeah, I mean, that would be my vibe too. Or a cyborg. He could be a cyborg. Yeah, he could be. Invaders, you know, is like, who is this? And Palpatine's like, no one you need to know. <laughs> yeah. You keep secrets from me? You know. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to see that Vader is, is realizing that he's not the most trusted person with the Emperor now. And I think, personally, I mean, this is just my interpreting the comic a little bit, I think this is the moment where Darth Vader starts to realize, you know, well, if you're not going to trust me with everything, then I'm just not going to trust you with everything. Exactly. Yeah, and you kind of get that because, you know, the last panel is, you know, Emperor Palpatine going, if there was anything else to report, 
And that's when you start to have some of the flashback scenes here. And that's one thing I really like about this Darth Vader comic series, is they have a lot of those flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And that it, there's a there's an issue coming up, which I'm really looking forward to covering here in the uh, you know in a, in a few episodes, that some of the flashback scenes just make the episode or, or the issue rather. I mean, it just it just sells it. But anyway, so you've got Vader's flashbacks to fighting Obi Wan Kenobi, dealing with the lack of a body when Obi-Wan Kenobi died, as well as running into Luke Skywalker in the trench at the Death Star and on Simon 1, and making the connection that Obi-Wan had brought Luke into this. And then he just goes, nothing to trouble you with, you know. I'm not choosing to to keep that secret to himself. Yep. You know, you turn the, the page here, and Palpatine says, and he's got a smile on his face, he looks so happy. He says, then go and do not do not film me again. And, you know, Vader's just kind of looking over his shoulder at the guy Palpatine's talking to and past the, the royal guards. And then we go to a uh, another scene on the next uh, page inside of a Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Darth Vader's having a conversation with whoever is uh, basically piloting the ship or directing the piloting of the ship. And the guy's like, we need to travel across the rim to collect the trade goods. But we should still be able to get back to Tatooine in time for your meeting. And, and Vader's like, no, just take me and drop me off on Tatooine first, then go do your trade goods. Uh, and the guy's like, but that extends the journey, uh, the deadlines, and it, it might risk the engines. And Vader's like, only if your engines are substandard are you telling me that we have provided you with substandard equipment. And if so, you know, that might not reflect very well on your command. The guy's like, we'll do whatever you need to do. So Vader kind of <laughs> manipulated him into doing what he wanted. Then we uh, go to the next page, and it says one day later. So this is one day after the uh, the meeting with Jabba. We uh, we see Vader kind of just standing on a rock face here, with his cape kind of blowing up in the wind. It's a really cool, mm-hmm. really cool photo. There's some smoke coming around yeah. uh, from the mountainside there. And we see a boot, and it says, you're the client? And Vader says, you know, I am. Uh, Jabba tells me that you're the best he has, and he asks, you know, if the bounty hunters are up to it. And then you see the next page, and it is Boba Fett and, oh, what is his name? Black Kershanton. Black Kershanton, I think that's his name. I had to look over a page, but um, (laughs) he's a a Wookiee, clearly. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, Boba Fett is... Basically saying, give us the mission, and you know you'll see we're capable. And this is where we see a really interesting progression that it's going to be a really fascinating thing to follow in this comic. Darth Vader is hiring Boba Fett to find Luke Skywalker, to find out about him, and to capture mm-hmm. him. And then you know he wants him alive specifically. And then Boba is like, well, what is Black Crescenton needing to do then if I'm going after this Luke kid? Yep, and he uh, he says there's an agent. I want him traced. So the the agent that is uh, that's with the Emperor Vader's having him tracked down by the Wookiee bounty hunter. And you know he tells him you know don't fail me. And uh, you know they're both saying you know well we're not gonna we're not gonna fail you know we're gonna get this guy and we're gonna track your agent down and we're gonna find out who this kid was and you know Vader says well that's good you know. Uh, Let's go ahead and get this started. I've been putting it off for far too long. And then you've got a, a, a devastating final scene here, and it's like 
it looks almost like a little bit of episode two. And you've got burning uh, sand people huts and dead sand people and gaffer sticks everywhere. It, I mean, it's just it's it's rough. And all and he finishes it up by saying, "And all my present business is is concluded." As he's getting ready to leave, and that's the last panel for the for the issue. But I I just one thing that makes me what is, why did he do this? Why did he? He's I don't know. I mean, he still has such a burning burning hatred for what they did to his mother. I guess. I guess would be my only way to think about it. I could that that was one part that just confused me a little bit. But either way, you know, that was the the conclusion of that issue. So now that we've read both of them back to back and kind of gotten the full story, um, what would you rate issue three, the, the the Marvel run issue three? Oh gosh, uh, Let's do, what's our scale? Is it the Bantha Milk scale or the uh, Blue Milk scale? No, we're gonna do ATATs. How many ATATs would you get? ATATs. How many ATATs would you give it? Oh gosh, it's I would probably give it a nine out of ten. It's really action packed. Um, it advances the story really well. Um, I can't really think of anything that I dislike about it. Now nah, let's bump it up to a ten out of ten because I mean the the artwork is phenomenal in it. You know the like you said the panel where Luke is like going sideways under the foot of the ATAT is just absolutely awesome to see it drawn and see him going under. The images of Vader just kind of walking through the battlefield with his cape just kind of casually blowing behind him and being all tattered and torn because of the explosions and whatnot going on around him is really cool too. So yeah, I would I would probably upgrade it from a nine to a ten. It's a good action paced story that still has enough story in it to advance the plot of what the overall story arc. Yeah. And I don't know, but I think that's the end of that particular story arc. I uh, think it is. So because it's kinda like a three issue story arc, which I think is a good number. The second issue probably being the weakest just because it's kind of the filler. But uh, I I agree. I think it was a, a very solid issue. I do wish uh, that there was just, I don't know, a little bit more of, well, no, see, you're, like you, I can't really think of anything I really want more of. It yeah, was a I mean, solid I issue. Um, I can't think of anything I really didn't like about it. I liked all the action. I liked how it just jumped right in. Um, I, like you mentioned, I liked all the scenes with Darth Vader. I liked the detail and the artwork. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, you know, there was just a lot of really good stuff there, so I'm gonna have to give it a I'm gonna give it a 9.5 out of 10. Um, there we go. That's a good number. Uh, I don't I don't know why I won't give it that extra half a point, but um, <laughs> I just I know that there are other issues coming, and as much as I love action, I also like a lot of plot development. And while it did carry the story through the rest of the story arc, it, most of the issue was explosions. It, it was kind of like a Michael Bay movie. Um, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. I never saw that. <laughs> so I, I, I guess that could be the only reason I'd give it a, a 9.5. It's just that, you know, as much as I love the action, because it definitely was worth it and, and, and really awesome to see, I, you know, I, I, I like development too. Um, and there wasn't a lot of that until the end. Yeah. So, and that, And that's really kind of a slow place to put it. I think that's, I think that's what makes me like it the least is that all of the development for the story, as far as what's going to happen next, was at the end. You know, you had all that action packed, and then you get to the last couple of pages, and it's like, oh, let's slam on brakes. Yeah. So, that part. Oh wait, we, f we forgot to put a plot in. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
something like that. So, uh, but I mean, it's certainly a great issue, and I, and I highly recommend it to anybody that wants to read it. And now let's see, we'll do it in bounty hunters. How many bounty hunters would you give the Darth Vader issue? I'd probably give it a ten out of ten. It's, I mean, he's a. I love the fact that the opening is told from the perspective of the Empire, which is really cool. Um, I like all the fan. I like the fan service in it because you know you go to Jabba's palace and you see all these guys who are kind of lesser known secondary characters in the Star Wars universe, except to you know hardcore folks like us. You get to see them. They have their own little time in the comic series. The uh, the plot with Vader and the Emperor kind of starting to not see eye to eye on everything is really. You know, that kind of sets the seeds for everything that goes in motion movie-wise mm-hmm. from a story perspective of how, you know, the Emperor didn't really started to distrust Vader at this point, started taking away his responsibilities and his status in the Empire, and Vader just kind of saying, okay, well, if you can do that, I've got some secrets of my own, and I'll train, you know, this boy up to join me, and me and him will take you down and rule everything. So it kind of starts sowing the seeds for that. And the fact that it's got Boba Fett at the end of it. I right. mean, I can't hate on anything it has got Boba Fett in the end. You know, accepting work, especially, you know, where Vader's like, he was on a ship called the Millennium Falcon. And he's like, yes, I know that ship very well. Yeah. It makes me really hope that there, I mean, I know they've talked about doing all these side story movies and stuff like that. I hope they do a Boba Fett side story movie. I do um, too. Simply because he doesn't get as much recognition in the movies as he does in the expanded universe, and he deserves it. He really does. He's such an an interesting and calculating character. Um, Boba Fett's just a fascinating character. And he's not really good or bad either. He's just whoever pays him. Right. He's it's a neutral character. He comes across as a bad guy because of you know the the, the horrible Christmas special where Darth Vader claims he's his oh, best Lord, friend. Yes. And of course, <laughs> you know the scenes where. He's basically the the anti Han Solo, but mm-hmm. even a, it's just a matter of the fact that Darth, uh, excuse me, that, that Boba Fett, you're right, he's out for the money. You know, if the Rebel Alliance was hiring bounty hunters and willing to pay more than the Empire, he'd mm-hmm. be a good guy. He'd be, he would be. I mean, that's and he's kind of interesting too in that he's a neutral character with a code of honor and ethics like if you know a job goes against one of his codes of honor or ethics he just won't take it exactly or he'll refuse it and and if you see him in the movies you don't recognize that but it's there in those expanded universe stories and i'd really like to see some of that some of those elements of his character brought to life so i'm hopeful that he makes either another appearance in a movie as an older character which has been rumored uh, mm-hmm. Of course, but or <laughs> that they go through with actually doing a a, a, a spinoff movie for him. Uh, and I, heck, for that matter, I'd like to see the Mandalorians more in the movie too. Oh, I know, because as a race of people, they were kind of neutral through the whole conflict. That's true, and they were a fascinating race, and and uh, they had their own war to deal with. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a Mandalorian Jedi war in the old like the dark horse comics that was that was fascinating uh back when episode two came out there was a four issue Django fett based backstory comic mm-hmm. basically gave you where Django fett came from and why he was chosen to be the embodiment of the clones 
and it was a fascinating read to kind of understand the whole backstory of the Mandalorian War between themselves. They kind of had their own civil war and where Jango Fett fit into it and stuff like that. It was really good. So um, that would be something fun to read sometime too. But just all of that is, is, is really interesting to me. And Rebels has touched on the Mandalorian some this season, too. Yeah, which uh, I believe it basically announced an actual valid connection between the Old Republic and the Mandalorian War, in which, like, Darth Revan and, oh, what was the other guy's name? Malak, Darth Malak. Malak, yep. From Knights of the Old Republic started to make part of that story canon, which I was like, yes! Because uh, that's probably one of my favorite Star Wars games, if not my it's favorite good. Star Wars game. I don't know. I don't know how accurate this is, but apparently, like, they someone had taken some screenshots of some of the computer footage at the where they make the where they made the Clone Wars animated series, mm-hmm. and on the hard drive they had several episodes that uh, revolved around the history of Darth Revan and how they were going to introduce him into the canon in the next season before Disney bought the rights to all the Star Wars properties. But he was he was going to be made canon through that Darth Revan was. That would have been awesome. And how he was one of the most intelligent and powerful Jedi and Sith who had ever lived. Yeah. I would have loved that. But the, the I would have loved the that CG too. like of him. There's images of the CG. It's not really polished. It's just polygons. But it's Revan. Mm-hmm. You can tell. And he has one purple lightsaber and one red one. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. I would have loved to have seen that. If you find that, yeah. post it on the Star Wars If page. I can find that, I'll post it on there. Yeah, that would be good. I'd love to see that. Um, yeah, so you gave Darth Vader a 10 out of 10. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I gave my vote on it or not, but I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10, too. I thought it was a great issue. It's odd that a starter issue gets that much, and I know there's stuff better later, but that's it's, it's just such a great issue. It's got... Again, you kind of get that deliberation between two evil characters that I'm, I'm, I have a weak spot for as, as a fan, just because I think that it's really interesting to see how everybody's vying for power. So that's uh, definitely something I want to give credit to for that issue. I agree. That's it's a good issue, and plus you get to see Darth Vader interact with Jabba the Hutt. So yeah, two really two bad guys from the same movie in terms of Return of the Jedi, and you know they're actually at odds with each other and that's cool it was it was interesting there was a lot in the issue it, it was a fascinating one so good deal yeah man all right well i would love to keep talking but unfortunately i do have to go to work in the oh morning. gosh uh so you have tomorrow off. i've right? got tomorrow off yep okay good well we have a delay tomorrow compliments of the winter weather Yay. so i'll get to sleep in a few extra minutes which will be nice i will be nice i still I still like to get a little oh, rest before I have to go in. I've found the Darth Revan stuff. I'm going to go ahead and post it on the page. Oh, sweet. I'll look There's a it. YouTube clip of it, too. Oh, yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, we do always sign out with blue milk. So uh, what flavor of blue milk would you like to sign out with tonight there, Landon? I'm going to sign out with... Hmm. I think I'm just going to do straight whole blue milk. <laughs> whole milk. Whole milk. So no no skimming off the top there. Nope. All the fat and cholesterol you can having all the it. all the good stuff for you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, guys, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us for another episode of Star Wars Ties. We hope you enjoyed 
uh, issue three of the Marvel run, as well as the first issue of Darth Vader. We look forward to having more conversations like these in the future uh, with myself and Landon, with myself and Rob, or perhaps all three of us. Uh, but either way, we hope you enjoy your glass of whole blue milk with all the fat and cholesterol you can muster. And have a great night. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you always. So, yay, another episode down. Um, I'm going to try to edit this a little bit every night, and then hopefully it's it's going to end up being about two and a half hours long Sweet. of raw material. That'll be, that'll, be so, a, that'll be a good one. That'll give you a lot to pick and choose from. Right. So I'll, I'm not going to – it won't be two and a half hours long when I'm done with <laughs> it. That's a lot of material to sort through, but um, – you know, it's it's great. I'm excited about it. I'm just glad to get back into doing it. I know this has been um, fun. Yeah, I have a lot of fun doing this, and that month off was just like crap. You know? <laughs> I hate this. I, I want to record, and you know, I'm collecting all this stuff, and I want to talk about it, so I don't feel like I'm just hoarding everything. That's right. Uh, I want to justify yeah. it, darn it. So I want to justify it, and and my wife was like, you know. You're paying for that Potomatic feed. You need to put stuff out on it. And I'm like, I want to. Yeah. So, I will. I'm going to do it. We tried to introduce her to a stormtrooper, and she's like, nope. She wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> oh, well. It was worth a shot. It's okay, <laughs> honey. They can't hit anything. You have nothing to worry about. <laughs> they miss everything. <laughs> Now, if they were clone troopers or first order troopers, that might be different. But but stormtroopers, no, they just can't. You know, they can't hit the broadside of a barn. That's right. <laughs> Unless it's a um, sand crawler on Tatooine or something. See, I always wondered about that. Like, they can't hit anybody in any of the firefights. But man, they burnt, you know, Uncle Owen's place down to the ground. Yeah, I know. They, I mean, they destroyed it. Did you ever see that mock cops episode of, of uh, stormtroopers at I think I Aunt have. Aunt and Uncle Owens. Yes, I have. I have seen that now. Now that like, you mentioned it, <laughs> where they were like responding to a domestic disturbance or something, and uh, I, I haven't seen it in a long time. But I remember watching it and going, "Oh my goodness, that is horrible!" But it's hilarious <laughs> yeah. at the same time. I vaguely remember that. I'm going to have to go back and see if I can. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Uh, oh, you know it is. See if I can find that, because that was funny. Um, maybe I'll put it on the Facebook page or something if it doesn't have anything too inappropriate in it. I just finished Catalyst yesterday. Ooh, finally. I've been wanting, I've had it since Christmas. I've been wanting to read it. And I finally sat down and, and forced myself. I stayed up a little late last night. Uh, I was like, I know I can finish this book. I know I can. I only got like three chapters <laughs> left. I can do it. You know, I'm sitting there reading through it, and I was like, oh, well, I'll just read one chapter, and I'll finish it tomorrow evening before I talk to Landon. It won't be a big deal. And then, of course, those last three chapters were just 
you couldn't put it down. Like, well, <laughs> they're awesome chapters. Yeah, they were. It, it, the ending was. <laughs> I mean, the book itself was a really good read. It wasn't riveting to the point where I couldn't put it down because I was able to do that. But it was a very good story. There was a lot of really good interaction between Krennic and and Tarkin, which I really enjoyed. Uh, and you also kind of got to see a little bit more of Lyra. Galen's wife and kind of get a better understanding of oh, her cool. character. There was a lot of background for her that I really enjoyed. I feel like she was kind of an underappreciated character in the movie because she had such yeah, a brief really appearance. Um, and this book makes up for it. It gives you a lot of preamble and a lot of exposition as to how she met Galen, how she influenced Galen, and um, even you know what her profession was. And, and it was definitely a very interesting. Um, characterization for her and one I really enjoyed cool. it. so if you get the chance that's a really good read um, but we could talk about that when we actually get to it too so um, <laughs> <laughs> all right let's go ahead and just jump into this try not to have my comicology awesome. file over the place here um, how's Retro Junkies going I wanted to ask you about that oh dude we've not done one of those in forever I think I think that the actually the card that I had that set up with has expired. So, I mean, it's I think it's been off for about a week now, and nobody said anything about it being canceled. So, everybody's just got so much going on that. Yeah. Uh, I would say Super Show probably won't be back for a while. I mean, until because Rob wanted to take it over, and I'm like, all right, yeah, that's fine. And then you know he got the house, and he started doing the Turtle Flake stuff full time. So I'm like, okay. Well, that's uh, let me know when you want to when we want to do it again, and we'll do it. But until then, let's just go on a break. <laughs> the one thing I have going for me with this Star Wars one is I've already been assured that as long as it's like this, you know, when everybody else is asleep and stuff like that. Um, Afton's going to be okay with it because it's my one chance to do something guy yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how Lori is. She's like, as long as you're not taken away from family time, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of her, her thought process was, you know, when we have another girl, you're going to be surrounded and you're not going to have a lot of guy time really just free. So if you can find a way to, to have that with, you know, like your podcast or whatever, then that's fine. Go yeah, we'll it, do that. You know. So, and I'm like, that's that's all I ask. You know? As long as I get the opportunity to do it, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. So, uh, I enjoy this. So I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Willing to step Thanks in. for having me. I've, I've enjoyed it. Doing it. Good, because I, I plan on. If you're all right with it, I plan on keeping you on. 